Tehran Wakamole Must be like you Guatemala Howard 100 I'm Seth Myers and welcome on today's show. How are you? Wonderful. Howard reunites with comedian, TV host, writer, and Emmy winner, Seth Myers. Amsterdam is such a fun place to visit. And I remember like walking home one night, like fairly inebriated, and my friend was like, Should we get a prostitute? <laughs> and I said no. How many times did you have that conversation? <laughs> that was just one. Yeah. But I remember I said no and he said, No, no, or no convince me. Like, no, let's get drunk and I'll throw you yeah. in there. Everyone loves Seth Meyers. You can't just help but love this guy, right? Her flu vaccine. It's like a mega dose. And, yeah, I think uh, man, it's I think double what they give everybody else. And I'm out of it ever since, even today. Really? Yeah. Having a, had a bitch of a weekend. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I got some other bug in me, but uh, I'm whacked out, like on a whole other planet. Like, how? What are the I like a fever, like like I didn't have a fever, but I felt like I did, and I was, uh, I don't know, I was loopy, like uh, sleeping a lot. Uh, I don't know. Any joint aches or pains? No, none of that. Oh, my foot, but I think I, I don't know. I must have done something to my foot. <laughs> I don't know what's don't going know. on. I'm falling know. apart. I'll tell You're you not what, I'm falling, falling apart. apart. Stop it. Yeah, I kind of am. You know, you're in fine shape. I wish People Magazine would do a story on me and what's going on with my health, but no, they only pay attention to Robin's <laughs> health story. Took a flu shot. Took a, now where's People he's Magazine down for the count? <laughs> I'm in. Robin's only been uh, miserable for 11 years. I'm in constant pain and misery my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was uh, having a. In fact, I still have good times. Big story on Robin in People Magazine. I uh, I got an advanced copy. I knew someone in the business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she got a nice two-page spread with or maybe more four-page spread. And uh, my flu shot struggle got zero coverage. Not, not one word was written about it. No, nothing. I never get press. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, beautiful article on Robin. For those of you Robin fans, and I know there are many out there. And uh, even I came off looking pretty good. Robin says I was there for her every step of the way, which uh, w she had to say. She, the, the serious uh, public affairs department went down and said, Robin, you better say something nice about Howard and make sure he looks good <laughs> in this article. But here it is. Robin quivers on living with endometrial cancer for over a decade. I'm still here. That's the big quote. I'm still here. And... Uh, Goes through everything you went through, which is quite unbelievable. But uh, you are. You are still here. And then there are pictures of Robin because uh, with your shaved head, which yeah. I was kind of surprised. You looked, uh, I always think people with shaved head, you don't know what's doing. <laughs> like, you could have, you know, like lump. Remember, we've seen people with shaved heads. They got lumps. Oh, and they yeah. Go they, they've got like ripples and <laughs> lumps and. You don't know what's going yeah. on there. But I Was did it? check. I, I had a uh, barber shave my head the first time and teach me yeah. how to do it. Yeah. And I and as soon as he was done, I said, is there anything about my head that should not be seen? Is it presentable mm. or is it one of those heads that really shouldn't be bald? And he said, no, 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 it's presentable. It's presentable. 
Yeah, like you didn't have any weird birthmarks or dents or or Well, I have a spot or two, but they you know, they don't seem to be like crazy, you know, they're just sort of minor and uh, like a like a birthmark uh, Yeah, there's a couple of spots where I have like some darker coloring. Oh, but uh, so when you did the uh, pictures for People magazine, did they uh, do some makeup on your head or because uh, here it looks pretty even toned? No, I don't. Maybe they took it away. I don't know. I don't remember mm. which side it's on even. No, they wouldn't take I it away. No if there was a direction, if there was something fucked up with your head, maybe <laughs> the first ones to want to show it. Are you kidding? <laughs> they took it away. Yeah, they were worried about your image. <laughs> no, you got a nice shaped head. Good for you. Cool for you. Cool for you. Yeah. <laughs> and no, like, swastika tattoos or anything weird on that. No, head, I so. kept the, the tattoos to a minimum and didn't yeah. put any on my head under my hair that should be hidden. And you got a nice round head. Some people have, like, a cone head. You know what I mean? Like a point. Yeah. But you got a nice shaped head. You're lucky. I didn't know that until, you know, I I actually shaved it because I was afraid that it would be something yeah. wrong, you know, like it would look ridiculous. Jada Pinkett Smith had a nice uh, shaved head. I'll be I'll, beautiful I'll be, head. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Like everything about her is just beautiful. Yeah, you even be- her head is beautiful. I don't know yeah. what she's upset about. Yeah, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so upset. Now she suddenly has hair again. So there you go. Well, that I pictures of her. can come back. Is that right? It comes and goes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Some people I didn't know that. have that experience. Yeah. Anyway, some really uh, beautiful things in this article about Robin being a survivor of cancer and what she had to go through and some of her philosophy. And so I suggest if you're fans of Robin... You uh, get this article and take a look at it. I understand there's two different versions. That People magazine has the magazine version. And then online, there's another version. Because the version I saw didn't have some of these quotes and things. Yeah, I've only uh, seen the magazine, uh, uh, the online version so far. They're sending me copies of the magazine. You know what the guys are telling me? That online, if you read the article... I'm barely mentioned, like like completely. And and then if you go behind their paywall, you get to see the comments that you said about me. Oh, and I said that's uh, that. I said now that's not fair. I mean, uh, I want as much publicity out of your article as I can get. You know, especially positive press. They should that I was put there. For everything you. I said about you and left out some of the other stuff. Yeah, who cares about that? By the way. Both versions, online and the hard copy, make no mention of Fred. He is never brought up once. So for for those of you who worry about consistency, Fred is nowhere to be found in both articles. Right. Oh, my goodness. Now, that was not supposed to be pointed out. People would have (laughs) not even thought that if you hadn't said it. If you want to if you want to read about Fred, go to Barely People magazine. They have a (laughs) whole spread on him. No, no, uh, Fred, uh, obviously not there for you in the way that I was, because I was mentioned in the article. And uh, 
That's uh, that's good. Nobody look could have been there the way you were. That's right. I mean, I should have been in those photos cradling you and uh, nursing <laughs> you back to health. <laughs> feeding you soup. That's that right. would have been, been in a nurse's outfit. Yeah, like walking in, <laughs> taking your temperature, turning doing all me, kinds of turning you. Um, let's just read my parts. Never mind the rest. Of, you can get the rest of the article online, but let's just read about me. Let me see. That's what I did when Robin uh, first sent me the article. I you just looked at your name. Yeah, yeah I, just got, I was like, let me see. Oh, oh there I am. Okay, good. <laughs> Well, that's what you do. Uh, Robin credits her circle of close friends with helping her find the best medical care, getting her through the toughest times in particular. Her longtime friendship with Stern. Then they do a horrible thing and mention my age. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> they uh, do that and, all the time. If they yeah, mention well, you, they have to age you. Yeah, why? Why do they have to put know. my age? Her longtime friendship with Stern, uh, whatever my age is, quote, Howard has been there every day. She says, choking up at the memory, quote, he's been with me lockstep. I read that. I went, oh, I got to promote this uh, article. I mean, everyone <laughs> thinks I'm a scumbag. <laughs> I was surprised should, the headline. This should be the major headline. <laughs> well, yeah, the headline should have been superstar Howard Stern saves woman's life. And then some pictures of you. <laughs> what an article it would have been. They made a mistake. Uh, yeah, it should have been Howard Stern saves Robin. Well, anyway, Robin, uh, congratulations on a, what I think, and I know you don't necessarily like this word, but I found it to be an inspirational article because you deal with cancer in a way that I find inspirational. Now, let me explain. That unbelievably your positive attitude and the way you tackle various health challenges and robin's had many uh i mean too many to even comprehend that most of us would crumble or most of us would get negative or most of us might turn inward and be very very let's say down uh to put it mildly but robin is unbelievably positive and carries on and the face of Quite frankly, she stares at death and laughs at it. And she really is unbelievable. So it is an inspirational article. And I think if you read the People magazine article, either <laughs> online, uh, but if you do read it online, you go behind the paywall. The more detailed one. Yeah, the more detailed Howard one. Howard is talked about more. <laughs> yeah, the, go, by, go behind the paywall. Uh, because evidently that's how, they left me out of the free version. <laughs> And uh, or go to the magazine itself, which, by the way, uh, good for people magazine still being around. I didn't think any magazines were around. Uh, you know, I, I thought they were all gone. Uh, my favorite part of the article is when Robin points out that she feels she made a full recovery because she did not allow Benji into her hospital room. He came <laughs> to visit and she's told him to go home. <laughs> that was the best. That was really unbelievable. Well, I mean, you know, Benji, you shouldn't be around him when you're vulnerable. <laughs> I don't think he would have survived if you had let him in the room. <laughs> you never know. It could have been a disaster. Yeah. I couldn't take a chance. You know why your article is inspirational? Like, honestly, I got a flu shot and I haven't been feeling well. And I'm driving my wife crazy. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I'm taking the world down with me over this flu shot. And Robin goes for like chemo, radiation, as you will read in her exclusive People magazine interview. And she, uh, you know, things pop up all of a sudden. There's uh, cancer here or there and they have to manage it. She goes, yeah, we just manage it. Me, I get a flu shot. I'm like, I was on the phone to the doctor going, do you think, you think something, you think they overdosed me or do you think, you know, like, don't ask. You're, you're talking about scans, discovering uh, metastasized lymph nodes. And, and, and I'm like, geez, I'm such a puss. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like all brave. Like, nothing bothers you. But I'm. Well, uh, you, you know, if you're either you're going to live or you're going to have some kind of a, an existence that really has nothing going for it, I would rather. See? Eke out some some joy Life. in every day. Yeah, never, ever, ever, you know, let it take you all the way down. See what I mean? That's inspirational. I am a pussy. I get the flu vaccine. I'm, I go, honey, I don't think I'm going to be around much longer. And she goes, okay, you feel a little bit, uh, you feel a little out of it. Take it easy. You're not going anywhere. I go, I don't know. I think I'm going. This is it. This is. I started saying goodbye. Suddenly, you know, I was like, "Oh man, Matthew Perry went." Now I'm next. That was shocking, Matthew Perry. Yeah, we got to talk about that. But let some people talk to you, Jackie in New Jersey. Hi, Howard. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm on. Um, you and I have the same birthday, by the way. But I did want to tell Robin that I have ovarian cancer. I've been living with it. Since 2016, same as you, and then out of chemo and radiation, all that crap. So I just wanted to say thank you for coming forward because everybody always talks about breast cancer. Nobody ever talks about endometrial, uterine, ovarian cancer. So um, yeah, thank you yeah, so you're much. right that uh, <laughs> we think there's only one woman's cancer, and there are many, and the ones. That we have, I don't know about you, but mostly they don't show show up any in symptomology until it's right. very advanced. Yeah, that's what happened no to you. Tests. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened to me too. That's why I totally related to your article because that's what happened to me. I was only diagnosed after surgery, and I've had how many God knows how many surgeries I can't even keep count and. So many different treatments, and there's not enough research. Like right now, there's no more chemo that they can give me, so I'm going into a clinical trial now at this mm. point. And it's it's a clinical trial for all sarcomas, so not right. for women's sarcoma. You know what I mean? So there's not. In other words, Robin, what Jackie's saying is the chemo is no longer effective, so they're going to put her in a, an experimental type trial to see if that something else will work on the cancer. But it's uh, not cancer. specific to what she has. It's general. Right. And most of the treatments right. are derived from other studies, not studies of breast, I mean, of ovarian cancer or uterine cancer or endometrial cancer. Well, they don't have those studies. Ladies, hang in there because I feel the robots, AI, are going to solve all these problems. I'm all in on AI. I think uh, Jackie, Robin, if just hang in a little longer, keep getting these treatments, 
and then I'll have you stay cured. Around. Once yeah. Stay, yeah. Around stay around because <laughs> these robots are figuring shit out like is no tomorrow. Well, I finally came to the conclusion, Howard. I said, cancer is smarter than people. That's right. So we and, do need AI. And we very soon, we will be the second smartest beings on Earth. That's right. The and robots. Thank you, because we can't solve a lot of problems. We can't. All I see is problems. Yeah. I mean, I think I could solve a lot of the world's problems, but there's like, then you, then you open up the newspaper, 50% of the people disagree with me. So what am Look, I going to tell you? We're still solving problems the way cavemen did. We have not evolved. You know, everybody talked about this evolution. The cavemen, yeah. when they were in, you know, territorial disputes, they throw rocks at each other. We just have more sophisticated rocks. We're still throwing rocks at each other. Right on. There you go. Um, couple more calls about my Robin, and then we'll uh, move on. Yes, Kathy. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for taking my call. Robin, you look beautiful. Thank you. I thought it took a lot of courage for Robin to go, go in the photographs with the shaved head, because when Robin called me, she goes, Howard, I want you to know, I posed for some pictures of People magazine, and I, you know, I wasn't wearing any wig or anything. I had my head shaved. And I go, oh, so uh, which shots did you approve? She goes, approve? I, I don't know what they, whatever they took. I go, whoa, wait a second. You posed for pictures with a shaved head. They didn't even show you the, she goes, nope, I don't know what they're going to use. I don't even know if I looked any good. I went, this could be a problem. But I didn't say anything because I don't need Robin going into a funk if she doesn't like the pictures. You know, right now, as her main Man, I have to make sure she doesn't go into a depression. So, uh, anyway. Just imagine, well, I got Howard to cheer me up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty sad. I am the least <laughs> cheerful human being on the planet. Well, Robin has always said one of the reasons she likes talking to me is because I'm not cheerful. That I don't give her any Pollyanna-ish kind of answers. I'm just like, oh, my God. Robin will call me up. Should be coming back from some chemo or some kind of treatment, some pill they just invented. And she's like, oh, I go. And she's, you know, she's saying what she's got to say. And I go, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it's awful. He's right oh, there my with God. me. <laughs> I'm right there with her. Like, like uh, Robin doesn't like someone who goes, oh, don't worry, Robin. The sun will come out tomorrow. She doesn't want that. She wants me <laughs> to go into my negative space, which I'm always in. So uh, for those of you suffering out there with any kind of ailment, just know I'm right in there with you. Uh, I go, I'll know if it's really bad when Howard says, oh, come on, Robin, it could be that bad, where he starts changing on me. No, I never say that. I always go, Robin, this sucks. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't know what's in going fact, on. He has a worse reaction than me. That's the best yeah. part. Yeah, He'll go. Oh, oh, Horrible. I'm so, I'm so upset. Uh, I, I, I hate that you're going through this. I'm uh, like, oh, wait a minute. I was complaining. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I had a flu shot. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So when, when Robin called me and said, yeah, I posed for People magazine and I'm like, you don't have photo approval. Photo approval, to be honest with you, is very difficult to get. 
Um, the closest you can come sometimes with these magazines, I know when I did Rolling Stone, they wouldn't give me photo approval, but they said, look, we'll let you look them over. Mm. But with the caveat, you got to pick one or at least one that we can use. That was the closest I would get. But, uh, well, I, remember I really New York- trusted the photographer. I really thought she was doing an amazing job because I could see. Nah some of what she was doing you know she just she you know actually posed me in ways that brought out things you know uh that one picture she's good almost like you can't tell there's like a mix of emotions on my face yeah well i got a lot going on on my face too and uh let me tell you something (laughs) i gotta be real careful Uh, i tell you uh, you got to be careful with these photographers. Sometimes you're in the studio and they're taking the pictures and they're telling you, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, you look great. Turn here. Oh, oh, these are great. And all the assistants are going, oh, my God, these are so sexy. These are good. Blah, 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 blah. You start to think like, hmm, I'm a model, I'm a supermodel. Then, you know, you get woozy and you get convinced everything looks good. And then they open up the magazine. You're going to throw up. <laughs> but thank God you had some beautiful pictures in there, too. I was relieved. I mean, I said, I don't know what. I said, this girl's going to, you know, she did a risky thing, you know, posing with her head shaved. I was like, I I, I hung up the phone. I said to Beth, "Uh uh-oh, Robin posed. She goes, well, what's wrong with that? I go, she didn't get photo approval. She doesn't know what's coming out. She goes, oh. (laughs) I said, that's it. What if they put a bad picture in there? She's going to go in a funk, and I got to work with her all week. I felt bad looking at those pictures because she looks better fighting cancer than I do healthy. Sad. I should look better than Robin. Robin's in the battle for her life, and she looks better than me. It's upsetting. But um, good for you, Robin. You're always triumphant. Always triumphant. That's the thing. And it is. It's inspirational. It's a great article. Honestly, uh, all, all joking aside. Uh, yeah, I thought it's beautiful. The, the reporter who interviewed me got it right. And, uh, you know, I heard from you and people, other people who know a little bit more. And they said, I think it captures you perfectly. So I was mm. really happy with that. Good. Thank God. Because let me tell you. You would go into a funk if you were not happy with that. I know it. Right. I'd be hearing about it. Misquoted or something was taken out of context or, you know, whatever. I might have been upset. But I... And then I get the call. I'm never trusting reporters again. And I'm okay. I got to clean up this mess. Uh, Bobo uh, wants to get on with you, Robin. He's very uh, excited. And Bobo, of all celebrities, yeah. Bobo. Robin, yes. I, I got to say the story of your courageous fight, you know, through cancer. I was so moved by this. I really was. And the fact that you shared this with everybody, that was a personal thing of yours. You don't realize the extent of what you went through until you read this article. I just want to say mm-hmm. God bless you and for being strong and determined woman and keep moving forward. And the fact that that 15th month radiation process that you didn't miss any work, you came in 
most people would have right. given up, but you just keep moving. And Good uh, point. I applaud you for that. Yeah. Bobo. Well, thank you, Bobo. I got to say, that was a very good phone call, Bobo. Why? You were like Rocky. You kept punching forward. That's what I always think. Who is your photographer, by the way? I want to get some portrait shots taken, and I'm hoping that that person could take pictures of my head without the lumps on it. Do you think that's possible? You think they'll erase the lumps? Right, right. You are an inspiration for a lump-free head. There you go. Well, there you well, go. Uh, even Bobo moved. Yeah, I was really moved. If by you it. can yeah. get a hold of her, Bobo. Yeah. What yeah. is her name yeah. again? Victoria Robin? Will. Victoria Will. Vic- Robin says Olio that's the one to go to. Will. Yeah. That's right. Robin Ophelia Quivers. Live your life. Be free. Right. That's a good one. All right, Bobo, there you go. Right. Bobo with a good call. By the way, I'm going to call tomorrow about uh, Suzanne Summers or Richard Wountwee or Rudolph Eiswee and Dick Butkus and ask you your thoughts. All right, <laughs> Robin. Everyone we'll smiles in the same language. All right. Matthew Perry died, Robin. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what was going on there. The dude was in a hot tub. They found him. I don't know who found him. I don't know much about this. I mean, I don't know what happened. Somebody must have. uh, Oh, I know what it was. The assistant. He sent her. He had gone out with a friend. He plays pickleball with. I blame pickleball. But he he went out to play pickleball, and uh, he's been extremely. Complaining of being extremely tired, according to her, all week. And instead of playing as long as they usually do, they only played an hour that day. And he went home and he sent the assistant out on an errand. And I guess while she was gone, he got in the hot tub and don't know what happened. But that's where they found him. Uh, And they say he drowned. Matthew Perry, by, by the way, speaking of, uh, he was an avid pickleball player. He was a nationally ranked tennis player at age 13. Did you know that? I didn't no, know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was quite the athlete. I didn't I know always that he liked, grew um, up with Pierre or uh, the Prime Minister of Canada, and they used to play ball together and stuff like that. Yeah, well... Matthew Perry died over the weekend after the LAPD found him apparently drowned in a hot tub at his at his home, as you just said. Fifty four years old. That's young to me. And he was very talented. I even mm-hmm. saw a play he wrote that was put on in London. Well, the guys. Ago. This is weird to me. This is this is the craziest thing. People's reactions to a celebrity's death. Mourners gathered at the West Village apartment where they shot the exteriors for friends. Where, yeah, I where, saw that. I mean, but well, why? What person? I would like to interview these people. Matthew Perry was never in New York, not for long. <laughs> so. I don't even think any of the friends episodes or people have ever been to that apartment. It's just that, in other words, yeah. it's the exterior. But like, like you read or you see on TV, Matthew Perry has died. Okay. And you said, I was sad. I'm sure everyone was sad because the guy had he brought you a lot of laughs and a lot of good memories. And he was such a, you know, a force. And, 
And then you go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk over. Like, I wouldn't even have this thought. I'm going to walk over to where they shot. I wouldn't even know where that building was. Like, people know where that building is. I don't even know that bill. I don't even know the opening to the show. I've seen the show, but I've never, I don't even know. And, and then the person goes, I have a desire to walk over there and stand in front of the building and hold a vigil. And, and then, and it, and you think you'd be there alone, but there was a bunch of people standing there. But that's the thing about most people. Most people are going to congregate with other people, you know, like, mm. oh, there's a parade, you know, they, there are tons of people who just line up on the sidewalk to watch people walk by them because there are other people out there. So they they want to share their grief, I guess. And uh, that's the place that they think people are going to show up. And there's a vigil, you know, like there's uh, flowers being left, uh, letters, poems, all kinds of things being left there. Right away, um, trolls on the Internet, I don't know what you call them, assholes, they started, uh, it's got to be the COVID vaccine. You know, the anti-vax people, right? Oh, yeah, Matthew Perry yeah, yeah, died yeah, from yeah. the COVID vaccine. Can you imagine? What the fuck? Right away, they start in with that. Um, I don't know. Gary was telling me a story. I said, Gary, did we ever have Matthew Perry on the show? Um, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and uh, he said no. He said that the publicist, Matthew Perry's publicist, thought I had it in for him. I don't know why. I don't know what. You know, a lot of people thought that. But well, there's lots <clears throat> of perceptions out of of yeah. you out there for some reason or other. But uh, we never had him on the show. But you know, I always liked Matthew Perry. I always thought Love he was friends. Good. Yeah. Love friends. I know, you know what I realized? I haven't seen a lot of the episodes because the guys were saying to me, Chandler Bing's one of his best monologues was, uh, his character was stuck in an ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre, <laughs> the Victoria's Secret model. This was on the show. Yes, I remember that episode. I don't remember these episodes. By the way, I've probably seen a lot of these episodes. I don't remember them. That's the other. I don't you even were remember a the big fan. You used to watch every week. I know. I don't know. I, but I don't remember what the fucking outside of the apartment looked like or the the, the, Nor the do coffee I. shop. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get a life. But uh, Ch this is Chandler and Jill Goodacre stuck in the in the bank. You want to hear that, or you don't care? Go yeah, ahead, play care. it. Maybe yeah, you'll all remember. Right. Here's Chandler realizing he's in the bank with a supermodel. Oh, my God. It's her. It's that Victoria's Secret model. Something something good acre. Hi, Mom. It's Jill. She's right. It's Jill. <laughs> oh, my God. I am trapped in an ATM vestibule with Jill Goodacre. Is it a vestibule? Maybe it's an atrium. Oh, yeah. That is the part to focus on, you idiot. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fine. I'm just stuck at the bank. At an ATM vestibule. Jill says vestibule. I'm going with vestibule. I'm fine. No, I'm not alone. I don't know. Some guy. Oh, some guy. <laughs> some guy. Hey, Jill, I saw you with some guy last night. Yes, he was some guy. There he is. Doing his scene that uh, some of the people around here think was his best scene. Matthew Perry was once nominated for two Emmys for his role on Friends. 
once during the show's run and once for its 2021 reunion special. Remember the special where wow, they all sat yeah, around the and talked? Yeah, the special was great. Yeah. One of the biggest shows of all time. The finale had more than 50 million viewers. Can you imagine in this uh, age now where you, if you get 2 million viewers, you're, you're a success? Yeah. Uh, by the end of the show, the cast was earning more than a million bucks per episode. Whoa. And how many episodes a year? Probably 22, 23, 23 million a year. That's not bad. I don't know that they were that, you know, like they used to do those 22 episode seasons. Uh, but then they cut down to like 15, 13. You don't know how many. Mm-hmm. But Matthew 15 Perry. million I would take too. <laughs> Matthew Perry struggled with addiction throughout the series. According to his memoir, he spent more than $7 million on getting sober. I, I think he was in and out of rehab 15 times. That rehab, yeah. that's one, somebody once said, maybe it was Keith Richards, it's not the drugs that are expensive, it's the rehab. Maybe it was him, I don't know. Somebody said it. Well, I tell people that, you know, like every once in a while, I think there are these fake organizations, they'll stand on the street and they say, we're, we're collecting money to uh, stop pe- people from taking drugs. And I said, you mm. don't need money to stop taking drugs. You need money for drugs. <laughs> uh, Perry said he could not watch Friends because each season reminded him of a different addiction that he was struggling with. Boy, you look at that guy when he was young. You can't imagine he was struggling Beautiful. with anything. Yeah. Handsome. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, all these actresses he dated. Seems good to me. I don't remember his dating history, actually. I think uh, it was Gwyneth Paltrow over the weekend tweeted that they had a little thing going really? for a summer or something. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't her. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. No, it was. It was. Yeah. It, they were working on a play up in the Boston area. They spent the whole summer together. And he had said to her, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I'm in the running for this show. I, I hope I get it. It was Friends. Wow. Oh, so that was even before Friends. Wonder why they never like stayed more than a summer. I never understand that. Two good looking people like that. He famously dated Julia Roberts. I mean, my God, what, what happened what? there? Like, how did yeah. I miss that? Yeah, that's what it says here. Uh, last year he released a memoir and then he talked to uh, Bill Maher about how he eventually got sober. I got a clip of that if you want to hear it. Yeah. Let me hear that. I'd be curious. Matthew Perry talking to Bill Maher about how he got so kind of hard to die. It it can be, yeah. You tried? Uh, no, you well, pushed that's the it thing. to the. I, I never, I never tried, but I did so many drugs at certain times that I knew oh. that it could kill me. But I would do it. But I never, I never wanted to die. But the real thing for me and the troubles that I've had is that reality is an acquired taste. That's what I believe. <laughs> it's a great line. Yeah. And, I have had a great deal of time, a great deal of problems acquiring it. Right. And uh, it wasn't until I felt really safe in my sobriety. And to tell you the truth, I am resilient and I am strong. Oh, my God. And you look healthy. You look healthy. Here's a... It's amazing. Here's a fact from his book. Matthew Perry revealed in his memoir that he once had a secret makeout session with Valerie Bertinelli while Eddie Van Halen was passed out a few feet away. Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Wow. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy. For sure. Howard, 
That's why when I'm with my wife, I never pass out. Because, you, don't, uh, you don't get to the point where you're going to pass out. <laughs> no, that is a fucking, you know, it's hard to make out with a woman while some dude is passed out on the floor. But, uh, you know, when it's. Yeah, you don't know if he's going to wake up. Wow, that's fucking crazy. Uh, I believe your husband's laying on the floor there. He looks unconscious. Well, hmm, might be a good opportunity to hit on you. <laughs> and what's up with Valerie? She's like, yeah. okay. <laughs> Many times when I see a husband has his back turned to me, I'll grab his wife and make out and be quickly. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, Gary, what do you want? Another crazy revelation from the book, Howard, that just blew my mind was that there was a period of time where he wanted to get like more uh, like drugs and opiates. And he had a hard time um, like getting prescriptions. He didn't want people to know. So he would go to open houses for super wealthy people and like get shit out of their bathrooms. I mean, like when the realtor has a, an open house. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's fucking I dark. I remember him saying that on some show that he'd raid their medicine cabinets and take their How brilliant. I mean, yeah, what a mastermind. Yeah. yeah like, hmm, open house. <laughs> Looks like a good opportunity. Wow. That open house thing. I didn't realize people's stuff was in the house when they had. I thought the people clear out and then they have the open house. You know what I mean? No, I didn't a know. lot of times the people are still living there and they, That's you know, insane. you're not really supposed to open cabinets and drawers well, and stuff like that. And then the broker says to you. Well, don't worry. I'll keep an eye on everyone who comes into yeah. your home. Yeah. Sure you will. But that, how's she going to keep up with everybody? I've gone to many open houses, and a lot of times they're talking to somebody they think is a good prospect, and they'll just say, go ahead and look around the house. That <laughs> so is you get fucking the, crazy. You get to do it all by yourself with nobody watching you. Of course, yeah, no, I didn't open any doors. <laughs> nobody would scam in a situation like that where you can just walk in. Like, you don't have to rob out. You just go all of a sudden, go. they invite you in with a broker. <laughs> That's crazy. I, 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 would, I would never do that, man. I don't think I would have an open house at all. That's I went crazy. to an I went to an open house, right? And we're walking around the house, and you can clearly see that there's photos of this guy's wife all over the house because yeah. she's beautiful. And then we go downstairs, and on the pool table were three oil paintings of her full body, completely naked, just full wow. fucking nude. Why would he do that? Why would you leave I, that out? I do not know. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I saw a guy, I was looking for a house once and, uh, I went and the guy had, um, a whole, a whole bunch of naked pictures of his wife hanging on in, in the house. And I was like, whoa, she's hot. And the, the girl was insanely hot. I think she might have been, you know, some kind of playmate or something. Or if she uh -huh. wasn't, I was shocked and I was like, man, that is one hottie. Naked, fully nude. Whole thing. I never saw anything like that. What was what going on with the open houses I went to? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, this wasn't an open house. It was just like, hey, come look at our house. We're oh, kind of. Oh, he just invited you. Yeah, to, to, you know, because I expressed some interest in buying it, you know, uh -huh. or, or I was looking in the area. He was right. like, well, why don't you go through my house? I'm interested in selling. It was one of those deals, but they didn't, uh, it was like a lot of nude pictures. And I was like, this is inappropriate to have a boner while I'm, uh, <laughs> while I'm reviewing a house. Does he, uh, judge your 
interest by the size of your <laughs> tent. I must say, sir, your house really excites me. <laughs> uh, the other dude that died. So Matthew Perry, rest in peace. And uh, Richard Roundtree from Shaft, yeah. which I loved. I love Shaft. Shaft was great. Yeah. He I, died from- I enjoyed the first movie. And, you know, went to see every sequel. The sequels didn't do so well, but... Uh, they did didn't, you see Sh- but I still loved watching him do that whole thing. And You saw Shaft Isaac in Africa? Hayes, I probably did. I Maybe I bailed by the time he went to Africa. There were two, uh, two sequels not so successful. Shaft's Big Score and Shaft in Africa. Shaft went over to yeah, Africa. Yeah, maybe I just saw Big Score. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson played Shaft's nephew. I did go to see the Samuel L. Jackson Shafts, and Richard Roundtree played the original Shaft. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, he died. He was 81 years old. He was considered the first black action hero. And where I grew up, that was a big deal, you know. Because of my well, uh, community, of course, it was a big deal. There was everybody loved action movies, but the guy doing the action was never black. Always white, <laughs> be a white guy. Always beating up black guys, and, and uh, this was. If anybody got killed, it was the black guy first. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel lucky? <laughs> uh, Isaac Hayes wrote the theme song to the movie. And, of course, that won an Academy Award, the theme song, the theme from Shaft. Remember when Sal was going to shave his uh, shaft for Cocktober and we did this? Hi, this is Sal Governale. My cock is my life. Shaft was uh, quick-witted, too. He had a lot of... Oh, he had those one-liners. Those One-liners. Yeah. Zingers. Shaft. I I do have some Shaft montages of zingers, but eh, nevertheless, uh, rest in peace. Richard Roundtree, 81, died from pancreatic cancer. You see, that one's hard to... They got to find a cure for that. And and apparently, it wasn't a long period of time. You know, he just recently got diagnosed and he's already gone. Someone said again with AI, I think they're on the verge of a cure for pancreatic cancer. So there you go. Who are you talking to? I don't know. You know what? I think I made that up. But I'm telling you, AI is going to solve all our problems. I'm a big AI guy. It might kill us. Because AI is going to be fighting wars and, you know, they they ain't going to have much compassion. We shouldn't fight wars because AI should be smarter than that and solve the problem that would cause a war. But the machines might invent some cures for some of these diseases if they don't kill us, if they don't get fed up with us. Oh, here's the other thing. I tried to tell you this the other day. Kurt Cobain's daughter, Frances Bean. Frances Bean. I was reading about that this weekend. She got married to Tony Hawk's son, Riley Hawk. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I always like when these uh, celebrity kids hook up. Francis, the 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 but guy from Nirvana's daughter. Second marriage. Yeah. Listen to this. They were married by uh, Michael Stipe of REM. He's evidently yeah. her godfather. Who knew that? Francis Bean and Riley Hawk are married. The marriage and certificate they kept it obtained on the DL. They kept it on the DL. Nobody, yeah, knew that it had happened, and so we don't. I have didn't any know. Pictures. Yeah. The marriage certificate obtained by TMZ lists the couple's wedding date as October seventh. I don't know Frances Bean. I mean, I know her mother, Courtney Love. I never met Kurt Cobain, but uh, that kid seems like, you know, she does a pretty good job of living a pretty private life. I don't see her, like, trying to start an She's OnlyFans. On Beverly Hills Housewives. Yeah. You yeah. know, any of that yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she seems like, I mean, I don't know what she does and stuff, but she seems to not be starved for attention, which is uh, good. And uh, the other thing is, too, that uh, I hate this story. I don't like this story. In 2016, she got divorced from her first husband, Francis Bean. And, uh, you know, her dad left a lot of money to her. But he also left the original guitar that he used, the iconic guitar that he used for all those uh, albums and on TV and everything. You know, the guitar he's strumming. So uh, when she got divorced, her husband, he got custody of the guitar that uh, she, he claimed somehow that she had given him the guitar and the judge went along with it. And uh, evidently that guitar now sold for like $6 million. It's like one of the most expensive guitars in the world because it was Kurt Cobain's. I know, but again, I don't know the circumstance, but that seems sad. it's not about the money. It's yeah. that, how dare you take her dad's guitar? Well, I mean, he felt he, I don't know, maybe I got, do, do I have that story right? Is that, hey, let me see, Francis was previously married to some dude, oh, 21 yeah, months. You. They're only married 21 months. They tied the knot, blah, blah, blah. 2016, she filed for divorce. The former couple ended up fighting over ownership of Kurt Cobain's iconic guitar, which Francis subsequently lost to this guy in the divorce settlement. The guitar she lost is the one Kurt played during his MTV Unplugged performance in 1993. That podcast that features OJ, they had OJ back on. But I got to, you know, first of all, I got to see the pictures of OJ that were published this past weekend. Of course, I'm a big Yenta. I saw everything OJ I see. (laughs) The whole OJ thing drives me nuts. But, uh, you know, O.J. is the perfect example of the nuttiness of our world. I mean, you know, he's out there having a party. he doesn't party. look as good as he sounds. Yeah. I hear you. Know, you. He, 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 he looked, looked like an old man. He was bent over. And... Hey, O.J. is how old is O.J.? 70-something? Yeah. An old man. The 70s are the scary age because people start looking real fucking old. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like people, you don't like, they're in the 60s, you look at them and they go, eh, you don't look. And then even in the 70s, you go, early 70s, you go, oh, looks good. They don't look, they don't look like an old. that golden bachelor? Yeah, that guy's uh, 69, I think. 
Oh, really? No, okay. Maybe he's a little older. Maybe. I don't know. You know what? I, I don't watch that. I won't watch The Golden Bachelor. Fuck. Fuck that show. That's a depressing show. Oh, OJ 76. Yeah. Like, you could see some dudes in their 70s and they look good. And then all of a sudden, all this shit goes wrong. It's horrible. So scary. Well, uh, the thing was that they showed a picture of him from a couple of years ago and he looked fine. Yep, and that's then what I mean. They show this picture, and he's all bent over. Looks like he can hardly walk. <laughs> I mean, OJ's had a lot of stress in his life. I mean, let's face it: in and out of prison. If anybody's trials be falling apart, yeah. <laughs> <it's OJ. laughs> oh, the Golden Bachelor is seventy-two. Seventy-two. So there you okay. go. That's what I'm. Yeah, so he looks he's pretty in good. The early seventies. He still yeah. can look pretty good. He looks pretty good, but man, shit, so, like you see guys 75, 76, all of a sudden you go, wait, he looked good at 72. Ronnie turned 74 over the weekend. Ronnie still looks good. He w- moves yeah. well and stuff. Somebody said when they saw him in Vegas, he, he seemed to be starting to move a little slow. Yeah! Who said that? I don't want to say. I don't remember. I get reports on Ronnie. But uh, Ronnie's in his 70s. I mean, uh, that's the scary age. You start to fall apart. Fucking crazy. Well, I don't know that everybody has to. I'm looking at yeah. 80-year-olds and 90. I saw 100. How old was that guy? 103 yeah, or something. Crazy. And he was dancing. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sad. <laughs> I mean, it's like... No, he was really moving. How yeah. He moves well. I think uh, Keith Richards looked great. Dude's 79. Oh, my God, uh, yes. Yeah. And he dresses cool, too, but it's a bitch. Ronnie, how'd you feel about the birthday? Poor Ronnie. 74, just got married. Scary, right, pal? Yeah, a little bit. Fuck yeah. Someone was saying you're moving a little slower. Try not uh, to think about it. Yeah. Somebody said at the wedding or something, they went to see Ronnie and he... He was just a little bit, he's, he's a little bit slower. Uh, maybe cause I've been partying for three days before that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the I guy still either. fucks like a champ. Uh, did you fuck on your birthday? Yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. We, we went out with some friends and, uh, we went to this like bar restaurant, hung out there till uh, like one o'clock in the morning and, uh, they had a cool band okay. and we had some drinks and, Came home and had fun. Unbelievable. This fucking yeah. guy. Out till one in what's, the morning. How do you do that? What's the person reporting on Ronnie? What are they doing? They can't keep up Ronnie's hours. I, I tell you, Ronnie's a miracle. You think you're inspirational. Ronnie's, Ronnie should get an article. <laughs> Where's his magazine. People Magazine article? <laughs> I mean, he's out till one in the morning. You don't get sleepy, man. I mean, I can't stay awake for shit. People invite me out. I'm like, oh, when is it going to be over so I can just go to bed? You know what? It, it's really weird because like, when the, you first, I first get there and it's like, you sit just hanging around. And if, if you have a drink or two, like you forget about all that shit. I don't know. You do? Yeah. Not me. Well, I don't drink. Right. There's no, no joy juice for you. No. So you're not forgetting Nothing. anything. <laughs> I don't smoke weed. I don't drink. Yeah. I did a little, little of that too. Yeah. Not till I got home though. Oh, you take gummies or whatever you take uh, when you're home? No, no, I smoke. I I, I won't do the gummies. Oh, yeah? uh, oh. No, nah. no, nah, I don't. Wow. I, I don't do edibles. To, 
fucks me up. Big so time. you went out like so at one in the morning. You're out, and yeah, then you let, come we home. Left, we left at six thirty, and uh, we got home yeah. about one o'clock. No That's kidding. A long night. Where were you at? A restaurant all that time? Yeah, it's like like this cool like restaurant bar. It had a little band playing. It was nice. Like ten of us were there. We had a good time. It was a lot of fun. And and then when you get home, you're still awake enough to fuck, huh? Well, no. First, then we went and we were sitting. We were sitting out in the backyard and uh, sitting out in the backyard. Weed. Wait a second. Wait a second. You got home at one in the morning and you're sitting out in the backyard smoking weed. Yeah. And wow. then we went He's to bed. He's a teenager. He's like a kid, this guy. Um, but you're a fucking miracle. You sat up. You mean you got home and you were waking up? What the fuck's wrong with me? You know what it is? I got to figure. Ronnie's retired now. He doesn't have any stress. Maybe I got too much stress with this fucking radio show. Maybe. Because I was stressed out all weekend. Seth Myers is coming in, and I love Seth's show. And I'm like, what the fuck? I got to, you know, I got to make sure that goes well. And I'm sitting there. Fucking writing down shit to talk about. Maybe that's the. Maybe I'm all stressed out. This could Ronnie. He's sitting there. Yeah, I went out to one o'clock in the morning. I'm drinking. Blah blah blah. I get home. I sit outside. I'm smoking weed at one o'clock in the fucking morning. <laughs> Look at this fucking guy. Piss me like off. Like if you were out at one o'clock in the morning, you'd be rushing to your bed, right? You think he it was would, Travis would Kelsey? Be no stopping. You'd be right to bed. You think he was Travis Kelsey with Taylor Swift? <laughs> So one o'clock in the morning, you get home and you smoke them weed in your backyard. Right. Jesus. Then what happens? Then we How went long to you bed. out there? How long you out uh, there for? About a half hour. So now it's like one thirty, quarter to two in the morning. Right. And then and then you get in the bed and you're fucking. Yeah, we turned on a little porno and uh, yeah. Cunt. Wow. Weed makes you sleepy. It doesn't make you sleepy. Like you don't go. No, actually, actually, it doesn't. Um, oh, it, it kind of, it gives me this, this crazy energy. Huh? <laughs> You're crazy. It really I mean, does. Wait, it's wait, Ronnie. Right. Like you don't get in the bed at seventy four years of age and um, like, oh Jesus Christ, I'd love to fuck my girl here, but I, I'm tired, man. I want to go to sleep. You don't do no, that. Nothing. No, no, we, had How a, do you... we were out having fun and, uh, you know. Wow. He's got weed energy and now he's would, ready to I go. I don't know what the weed did. This weed that, this uh, certain weed that I buy, well, Stephanie gets it for me, whatever. Um, I don't know. It gives me this crazy energy. How long do you watch the porn for before there's sex? Like you put a porn on. How long does that go on? Uh, we really try to watch it. Like, you know, you watch those, the small, they're like 10 minutes, maybe, you know, those uh -huh. clip, clip, those 10 minute clip things, you know, of a girl getting eaten out, girls eating each other out and shit. You um, put that up on the big TV? Yeah. Yeah. In the bedroom. Fucking awesome. What do you got? YouTube TV? Um, is that why you're able to do yeah, that? Yeah. I think it's you porn or whatever the fuck she finds. She yeah. finds it. I don't know. Lesbians? Yeah. 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 Girl on girl shit. I like that too. I don't want to see some guy's cock when I'm jerking Cunt. off. Exactly. I I saw a porn <laughs> this weekend. Uh, three gals. What this this girl who um, is bringing her girlfriend home to meet her stepmom. So the three of them is sitting at the. Follow what I'm saying. Girl brings her girlfriend home to meet her stepmom. Dad's nowhere to be found.
stepmom's got real big tits. She's sitting at the table with these two. Oh, it's so wonderful. How long you've been going out? Blah, 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 blah. You bring home such beautiful girls. It's unbelievable. The, the mom spills water by, on purpose on the girlfriend, on the, you know, the girlfriend. She's wiping her down, rubbing her tits. And uh, she goes, what are you doing? She goes, I'm fine. Uh, don't worry about it. And this girl's wearing a short dress. The mom drops a spoon on the floor. She goes underneath. She starts trying to lick the girl, the, the, the girlfriend. Well, the daughter says, this is the problem, mom. I bring home a, a, a girl I'm dating and you try to fuck her. She goes, I can't help it. You bring home beautiful girls. And, let, and let's be honest. You should tell her you and I screw around a lot. What? Next thing this you know, she tells This is her real biological mom? This is no, not a stepmom step situation? Stepmom. Stepmom. No, that's okay. never the biological mom. Okay. And then the bio, the stepmom goes, listen, why don't you two, let's clear the table. Well, you two get up on the table. Let's see what you do. She starts telling them to make out. They're taking off each other's clothes. And then they cut to uh, everyone's naked now. And <laughs> stepmom's eating both of them out on the table. But I tell you the truth. Uh, well, Stephanie's fun. She does like to watch the porn with you. And you're watching a porn. And then what happens? She starts blowing you and stuff. And then you go to it, huh? No, no. We just, we Usually it, it starts out as a, a big makeout session. Hmm. Um, and then sometimes I'll um, I'll act out the movie. Oh, nice. oh, you you use the He's dialogue and all that? Yeah. No, no, no. I don't use the dialogue, but I'll 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 do whatever the girl is doing to the other girl. I'll I do to see. her. And we t huh. I turn up the I turn up the volume really loud so you can hear all the fucking moaning and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you were so creative? I mean, look at you acting over there. <laughs> the Stanislavski method, I believe he used. <laughs> Yeah. Stella Adler. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a horny Daniel Day Lewis. Who knew? <laughs> no shit. Usually, usually by by the time you know the makeout session is uh, over and we're moving on to other things like that, uh, she's all she's all like ready, you know. So yeah, it gets Thanks. real intense. <laughs> well, good for you, Ron. Happy birthday. And, and you, well, you, thank you keep going. The, the, the porn is blasting and you do. Yeah. Are yeah. And it, then <laughs> it's like the porn isn't even there anymore. You know what I'm saying? But all right. you hear is like the moaning and shit. And then a lot of times the mo, the, the porn will end. And then there's like dead silence, you know, but you don't even, nobody even cares at that point. Right. You know what I see a lot on you porn is a ton of it is trans porn. There's a, Hot oh, chick, that's real big got, now. That's real yeah, big. Because it says recommended for you. And it got, I'm looking at it and I go, wait a second. There's this really hot chick getting fucked, but she's got balls and a dick. And I'm like, why is that recommended for me? What are they trying to say? I'm not into they're that. They're trying to, they're fishing. They sure they are. Throw that in there and see if he goes for it. <laughs> yeah, but come on. It's insulting. I mean, uh, you know me. <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, I think it was Chris Wilding said you were m missing a step at the wedding. He felt that you looked a little bit older. Really? Maybe, Dude, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I was fucking wasted. Are you kidding me? By that point? <laughs> Say what you, you ever, will, Chris. <laughs> I you feel watch fine. Do you watch trans porn, Ronnie? 
With yeah, the, we've we've watched it a couple of times together. Like I told, I always joke with her. I go, after I'm gone, you should hook up with some chick like this, because you know you get the both best of both worlds. She's a hot looking chick. If you go out with her, nobody knows really. And then you got the best of both worlds. You can get fucked, and you can you know you got a you got a chick. But I don't understand how those trans get a hard on because they're taking um, a ton of uh, uh, hormones and stuff. But they, they seem yeah, to get a big bone. Yeah. yeah. But, you you know, to, to, you very rarely see them come, though. Right. There's a lot of action going on, but nothing ever really happens at the end. Hmm. You never see the chick like, uh, shoot a load, huh? No, not really. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Nah, kind of stupid. No Chris, point. you thought Ronnie looked old at the wedding? Uh, well, let me clarify. I thought Ronnie looked great, and Ronnie was out partying a lot later than certainly anyone else, certainly later than me. But during the first dance, I did notice that Ronnie doddered a little bit, and maybe that was because it was the end of a long weekend, and Stephanie is so vibrant and wonderful. But, yeah, Ronnie looked a little stiff on the dance floor, nah. just a little bit. Yeah, I was stiff, all right. <laughs> I'm also used to seeing Ronnie in his suit, and to see yeah. Ronnie in his civilian clothes, he looks thinner than than you'd realize. You know, that's all. He works on it. He he walks on the treadmill every day. All right, very good, he was Ronnie. Happy a birthday! Beautiful suit. What Thank you. There you go. About? Well, they had a couple of nights of party, and that's the the thing. Uh, anyway, yeah, well, getting back to yeah, 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 go ahead. The night before, yeah, I, was, I had been out. I had been out all night at the strip club. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, did you hook up with the chick from the strip club or no? What do you mean? I thought you were going to try and get her to come to your house. No. No, we haven't done that yet. No. Okay. Yeah. No. Ronnie, busy. Let him get past the honeymoon. For goodness' sake. <laughs> when you going yes. on your honeymoon? <laughs> uh, when? Yeah. Uh, we haven't really figured it out. Maybe in like March or, or May. Right. Where are you going We're again? Where do you want to go? We want to go to Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Nice. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Ronnie in Hawaii. That's going to be. So you right, think man. he's romantic in Vegas? Wait till he gets to Hawaii. It's going to be all yeah, charged man. up. Yeah. For sure. It'll be crazy. Yep. Good man. All right. There's Ronnie. Oh, I was going to say, OJ, it really bothers me, but this. Uh, you know, they got so many podcasts now. OJ's on a podcast with this guy, this, these guys. It's called, uh, it, it is what it is podcast. So they were talking about talking to the juice about Taylor Swift chest bumping Brittany Mahomes. Uh huh. But they got to get there. The audio is so bad. You can barely hear OJ. They laugh over, they're laughing the whole time over OJ. OJ's on Zoom and I guess they have microphones and OJ's just on the regular Zoom. Uh -huh. And you can't hear what OJ, OJ's got something to say about, I think he's turned on by Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes chest bumping. He liked but it. But you're not sure. Well, you'll see. Here, here you go. Oh, did you see where Brittany <laughs> Mahomes and, um, um, Taylor Swift chest bump? Hey, juice. Like, 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 he did nothing. He did nothing. Like, like, hey, it's juice. Yeah, what do you talk to the juice about? Oh, Brittany <laughs> Mahomes and Taylor Swift. I would only talk to juice about chopping people's heads off. Oh, did you see where Brittany Mahomes <laughs> oh. and um um Taylor Swift chest bump? Yeah, I did. <laughs> what did you I think of that? I didn't know who the other girl was, but hey, 
I thought it was uh, interesting. You know, just like you, I was thinking the same thing you was thinking. <laughs> the other girl was uh, Mahomes' wife, by the way. Uh, the Bobolas would sit to each other, you know. <laughs> I think, I think, oh, said, the, the Jews said that uh, they they bump boulders. Is that what for he titties? said? I, I, but I'm not sure. I, I think he calls titties boulders. <laughs> but those dudes are laughing so much we can't hear the juice. All I hear is, hey, oh, what would you think of Brittany uh, Mahomes and uh, Taylor Swift bumping their titties together? <laughs> as soon as he starts talking, they no. start laughing. He hasn't even made a point yet. No, they're just tickled to be sitting there with the juice. <laughs> uh, Taylor Swift did not go to the Chiefs game yesterday, and the Chiefs got killed by the Broncos. Like It's now turned into a thing like she needs to be there for Travis Kelsey to have a good game. Uh-oh. They're saying his his stats go way through the roof when she's there. When she's not there, I don't know what's going on. This is bad for Kansas City. I mean, I bet it's bad. First of all, Travis Kelsey's getting all this attention. Taylor Swift's getting all this I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is like, what the fuck? Why'd I marry my high school sweetheart? I mean, I could be with Taylor Swift. I'm sure it's fucking crazy. Hold on a second. Hey, everybody, look who it is. It's um, <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes. This oh. is awesome. Hey, Howard. Hey, how you doing, Patrick? Patrick Mahomes, of the, of the, I'm honored. This is of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, um, I mean, I'm doing pretty good. I'm super happy for my teammate, you know. No, I'm not fucking good. I fucking hate it. What the hell do you think? I'm the quarterback. I should be getting my dick sucked by Ariana Grande while Olivia Rigo is eating my ass, Howard. Well, uh, I had a feeling you might be jealous. I... I mean, you're like the biggest star in football right now, but you're happily married to your high school sweetheart, right? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, Howard. I love my wife. I do. I love my wife. But this is bullshit. I'm a $400 million quarterback, man. I'm supposed to be getting the hot, famous chicks. I'm the goddamn tight end. I mean, Tom Brady, he, he got the fuck Giselle, not Gronk. He would never put up with this shit. He married the supermodel like a normal quarterback. I blew it. Well, this sounds like it's really getting to you. I'm, I'm so stupid. I'm stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Oh, jeez. What, what is that noise? I'm banging my head in this locker as hard as humanly possible, Howard, because I'm stupid. I'm stupid, you, stupid. Don't bang it. That's your head? Oh, no. You're banging stupid. your head into... You're banging your head into... You're banging your head into the locker? Yeah, I don't know. You know you, you know what I'll do, Howard? You know what I'll do? I just... I won't throw the ball to him. I got other tight ends. Fuck that guy. I'll trip Travis <laughs> in the locker room. I'll throw a hard pass right at his dick. Fuck! It should have been me with Taylor. Howard, we could have had such a great life. I see it now. I'm going over the playbook. She's writing songs. She starts blaming me while I'm watching my highlights. You get her concert. Her fans are all cheering my name. Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. God, I'm stupid, Howard. I'm so stupid, stupid. <laughs> You're going to hurt yourself. I think. Hello? Patrick. I think he knocked himself out. Oh, my I goodness. I do think that. He oh. gave himself, probably has a concussion now. I could have had Rihanna. I could have Ariana. Fuck! Fuck! Stupid Howard! Stupid! Fuck! Ow! 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 <laughs> Ooh, my head hurts listening to that. Patrick Mahomes. Oh. <laughs> He's upset. Jeez. Can you imagine your life if you were with Taylor Swift, Patrick? Be so fucking something else.
It would be amazing, Howard. Instead of being with Taylor Swift and Travis is getting to do anal with Taylor Swift, I'm just freaking doing well, you don't anal know that. temperatures. You don't know I'm that. doing anal you... temperatures with my two-year-old and my eight-year-old. He's hearing all her songs. All I hear is fucking Baby Shark to do to do. Yeah, all right. You go ahead. Go back to banging your head into the wall, I guess. Ow, stupid, Howard. Ow, ow, stupid. <laughs> there you go, Patrick Mahomes, upset. I wanted to ask him, but he gets so upset if he thinks he could play when Taylor's not at the game. <laughs> do you think you could play when Taylor's, uh, like, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, Howard, is like it's proven. We just lost to the can. We just lost to the Denver Broncos. We haven't lost to them in 16 straight games. She wasn't there. It's the power of the pussy, Howard. We all play better when she's there. It's not just Travis. Right. It's all of us. We all play better because oh. the power of the pussy. You know this. Yeah, but why are you trying to show off to Taylor Swift? If you know, in other words, it's not your girlfriend, but do you think like maybe she's like, oh, I wish I was with Patrick. I mean, yeah, I can like play it up a little bit in my head, and then you know, maybe listen, listen. I love my wife. I do. I love my wife, but it's right. just nice to be wanted sometimes, Howard. And, you know, maybe think about some of the other stars out there to be like, wow, I'm gonna go be there for Taylor and Travis, and I'm gonna go there and see Patrick do his thing too, and uh, you know, maybe I can work up a little daydream in my head, Howard, about getting some pussy. You know? All right. All right. Okay. That's fair. All right, so you won't play better. <laughs> stop banging your head and stop banging your head into the wall. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's just you know Harrison Butker. Yeah. He's a kicker. He makes every field goal when Taylor's there. Yeah, I should get a hall pass. Listen, I should get a hall pass. I love my wife. Listen, I love my wife. I do, <laughs> but I should get a hall pass because I'm worth four hundred million dollars, Howard. Right. He's worth $400 million, and he's not with Taylor Swift. He's, he's, That's right. You know, what yeah. is Kelsey? I mean, I just heard that Taylor entered the Billionaires Club right? because of that Eras tour. Oh, God. You better stop. He's going to hurt himself. <laughs> ow! <laughs> Billy Dollars? Ain't she's fucking Travis? Ow! Ow! Stupid! What am I doing? Two kids yeah. at home, you're not helping, Robin. What the fuck? Yeah, Robin loves to rub it in. <laughs> oh, yeah, we just heard Tra uh, Taylor Swift is worth a billion dollars. And now Travis is going to be worth a billion dollars. He's saying he wants to make a baby with a What the hell? Uh -oh. Stop, Howard. <laughs> now Travis is going to have a billion dollars and Taylor Swift. I'm be sitting here with yeah. two kids, not getting any pussy at all because I married my high school sweetheart. What the hell? All Ow. right. Ow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Better wow. Here's some tape of uh, all the NFL announcers talking about how Travis plays poorly without Taylor Swift. This fucking guy just started dating Taylor Swift. Now he can't get through a game without her. This is crazy. It's third and goal. Now look at Travis Kelsey today. Six catches and 58 yards. Oh. And Taylor Swift mm. is not here. And the numbers when she is and isn't. Well, well based, based on those numbers, do you think that they'll They got to get her to the game immediately. Yeah, well, I don't know if the NFL can distract her from what she's doing with her career. Taylor Swift will be touring Argentina and Brazil beginning November 9th. This is a disaster yeah. for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is their season is over. For the Germany to have a big so can have a big, have a big game against the Dolphins. She's getting ready to start a tour over there. Maybe there she's going to be there already. Well, now you see, like, Travis Kelsey's out, like, all the time, and he's, you know... You know what I mean? Dates and this. You got to keep your mind on football. Somebody said, I, I was reading, you know, you can't help but read about them every week. 
And mm-hmm. somebody's now saying that Taylor is his, you know, his locked screen on his oh, phone. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's got Taylor a Taylor Jones. Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> He's all in, right? Hey, I, I got to mention, uh, oh, geez, when should I do this? Hey, what do you want, Alan, in Virginia? Hey, Howard. Love you a long time. You know, Thank after you. listening to you talk about Ronnie's uh, sex life and endless energy, it occurred to me, you know, he's a newlywed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he fucked like that That's even before. That's what occurred to you? He's he's acting like he had a revelation. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got new youthful energy, maybe. It's unbelievable. This guy, I tell you the truth, I can't stay up past 8, 830 at night. I'm in bed. But I'm also a neurotic. You know what I mean? I worry about work. I worry about being healthy. I worry about my voice. You gotta keep to your same schedule all the time, or disaster will happen. Yeah, and I got my mother's voice in my head all the time. We have. uh, This is literally. We have our routine, and that's what keeps us going. We don't do more than one thing a day. My mother's. My mother's philosophy was she didn't do. I go, Mom, how do you do one thing a day? If I go shopping, that's it. One thing a day. Like, I, I signed them up for my gym in Manhattan. If they came into Manhattan, that would... That's that our one it. thing. That was it. It was over. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, I don't... And no wonder I have to pay for everything. Nobody's doing anything. Sitting there like in a bubble. That's right. People go, wow, you're so lucky you have longevity in your family. You have good genetics. I go, I don't have good genetics. Those, the death couldn't find those two. They were just like <laughs> locked up in a box. And now I'm locked well, up in do, a box. You, you do one thing a day forever. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Ronnie's fucking like a newlywed. There's no question. It's really impressive. I got to admit, I'm a little envious of the guy's energy. It's fucking crazy. I don't have that energy. Any energy I have, I put into this radio show. It's crazy. Uh, what was it? Oh, so I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a couple commercials here. But when I come back, I got to talk to you about Mad Dog. Wait till you hear this. Oh, but uh, oh, I'll give you. That's the tease. Mad Dog. Well, that's the tease. Let All me right. tease. You don't like to be teased, but I'm teasing you. My wife and I went live on Instagram. We have a cat who just gave birth. We have, we always have cats who just gave birth. But I uh, saw you had a very pregnant cat, and you were wondering if today's yeah. the day. There was like a countdown going on. Yeah. So I walked in the bathroom. And my wife said, uh, "Hey, the bathroom's where we have whole setup for this cat. Uh, we have every room in our house has cats. So uh, <laughs> we were like, because my wife can't say no. She goes like, oh, I feel so bad for them. I don't want her to give birth in a." In a, in a, you know, kind of animal rescue area or something, you know, let me just bring them into the house. So anyway, we went on, the little babies are so cute, little kittens. They're like, we, she gave birth to seven of them. Yeah, so, uh, I she, think there was a lot of them. She goes, you want to, you know, you want to uh, go live? I go, well, I, I want to go take a nap. I always want to take a nap. I'm always tired. <laughs> You're the opposite of Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever Ronnie's on, I'm not on it because <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to go live on Instagram. Every wanna, time is nap time. 
Yeah, I go, I'm, I'm about to, I had my lunch and I'm like ready to go to sleep. <laughs> I sleep 90% of the day. So, uh, you know, what am I going to tell you? Anyway, so yeah, we went on for about 25 minutes and it was fun. But I want to do that. I want to break in on our channels and just start playing records. You know, music, not records, but. Well, when you were on Instagram Live, what did you do? You talked about the kittens and the birth yeah. process and all that? Yeah, Beth Beth does most of the talking, and I just kind of hold the camera. It's not about mm. me. It's about, you know, her 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 Instagram account are people who love cats. Yeah. But you know who was on there? Tommy Matola was watching. I didn't know he was such a cat lover. Oh, He's sitting really? and watching. Yeah. Tommy Matola. The, the guy who, uh, you know, the record company guy. I was like, what are you doing on here? I don't even know what I'm doing on here. What are you doing on here? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I have to be here. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah I have to work the the phone. Man, I love this new iPhone. I tell you, I'm, a, I'm an Apple guy. I, I don't understand why people don't get the iPhone. I have a friend. I keep wanting to FaceTime with him, and he's got an Android. And I'm like, dude, come on. Just get a fucking Apple iPhone. Why do you have to be different? So we can Why be in that... touch, wacko. Yeah, well, I needed to show him something, and then uh, he's like, oh, yeah. I don't have that. I go, but you have an Apple computer. Why wouldn't you have everything Apple so it all integrates? I know. Whenever I, get, I get a text from somebody new and it comes in green, I'm like, oh, they don't have an Apple phone? They don't have... I am. I am. I, I know. I'm with this phone every minute. I'm busy. I got the uh, I got the AirPods now. I walk around with those. I love those. They go right in your ear. No wires, nothing. I make my calls. Then I, you should you see me. You sound pretty good, too. You know, you yeah. don't sound like you're in a in tunnel. A tunnel. <laughs> yeah, and I'm wearing sometimes a hoodie or something, and you still hear me fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know how, know how it works. It's just this little thing in your ear, and you can hear my voice so fine. I mean, I know it picks it up, I guess, through your jawline or something. I don't know what it's doing, but it's great. And then I got that. I got the AirPods going. I walk around. I'm busy with the phone. I'm, I'm putting it on Do Not Disturb. I got the clock now when I charge it. I Did love somebody it. fix it for you so yep. that uh, it stays on all the time? I was bitching about that last week. Apple did a, a repair over the weekend, a um, an upgrade that actually addressed that. So now the clock oh. stays on all the time. Yeah, it was great. Super. Hey, so I got to talk to you about Mad Dog. Mad yeah. Dog Russo. Let me recap in case anybody didn't hear about this. This is crazy. So it all started... Um, like this. Last week in baseball's, uh, in the National League Championship Series, the Phillies were up three games to two on the Arizona Diamondbacks in a best of seven series. And at that point, Mad Dog Russo, the sports guy, went on the air and he made a bold prediction about the Diamondbacks. Here's his prediction. Just to give you some backstory. I would not be stunned if they won tonight. I would be floored. Floored. And I'll say this right now. Just uh, I'll say this right now, and Bob Raceman, write it down. If they win the next two days, they win the next two games and win this series in seven games. If they win, I will I will retire on the spot. All right. 
I think that's the craziest thing to say unless you know you're going to be retiring anyway. But Mad Dog's got a pretty big career going. He's got this thing. He's on ESPN all the time. He's got he's got major shit it's going on. It's finally happening for him. You know, he's been trying to branch out and do television for a long time. And it's all yeah. happening. It's all happening. He just got into the Radio Hall of Fame, which I think yeah. is bullshit. But he thinks it's the greatest. In fact, he's he going to be hosting. Miserable that yeah, he he's going to be. He's going to be hosting the Radio Hall of Fame Award this year. Yeah, like he's the host. He was nominated a few years and didn't make it in, and then he yeah. finally made it in. Now he's hosting the darn thing. Yeah, now, yeah, now he's all in. Like they, they, <laughs> they fucking were jerking him off for so long, and now he's all in. Now he's the host. Anyway, uh, of course, if you know anything about baseball, which I don't, but the Diamondbacks went on to win the next two games. The Diamondback players even chanted Mad Dog's name after their Game 7 victory. It was a big deal. They were like all charged up. Anyway. So Mad Dog, I I get him on the air. I go, dude, what are you going to do? You can't retire. What do you? He goes, oh, I fucked up. I blah, blah, blah. I go, you know, you're uh, welching on a bet. That's what you're doing. And you look, you look bad. I said, so if you want to look good, you got to do something. You got to, I don't know. You got to, you got to somehow say to the fans, okay, I'm not going to retire, but I'm going to make good on the bet. Right? I mean, it made sense what I said, I think. So in any case, let me see. I got a clip of this. So. Everyone wanted to know if Mad Dog would be a man of his word and retire as promised. He called into our show. He said he was not retiring and he needed advice on how to save face. So I pitched him some stunts to make up for not retiring. And he finally agreed to walk a city block here in Manhattan in a bikini while holding a sign reading, quote, I'm a liar and a dope. I said, if you, at least if you do that, we don't feel like you you fucked us over on the bed. I'm How about this? How about dope. this? Let me make it real stupid. embarrassing. I'm a liar I'm and a dope. I'm, I'm a, a liar and a dope. Yeah, All right. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Deal is done. I will right. do liar and dope if you can orchestrate it. And Gary is the, is the point man. If you keep the sign right. clean, I'll get a diamondback bikini if that, or a bathing suit or something like that. They may not have a bikini. But something along the lines of underwear, and I will walk on a hopefully a warmer day. I will right. walk a city block, not an avenue, not an avenue. Well, meanwhile, this thing blew up. It, we, immediately when Mad Dog agreed to walk around in a Diamondbacks bikini and walk down the street with a big sign saying, I'm an idiot, uh, it made big news. It did. And it did. Well, I mean, all the sports guys were talking about it. Uh, here, I'll tell you what. Um, legendary Cincinnati Red player Joey Votto tweeted, Chris Mad Dog Russo, a suggestion for your shame sign. If you do walk through Manhattan in a bikini holding said sign, how about, quote, I got bit by the Diamondbacks and all I got was this lousy wedgie. I'm not married to this one. I'll keep brainstorming. People were having fun with it. Uh-huh. The Arizona Diamondbacks official Twitter account responded, don't let him off that easy, Joey. Michael Kay, the famous uh, sports announcer. The 
That was the first thing they talked about on the Michael K. show on Wednesday. Here you go. Wow. And my point was proven. He's not retiring. So the whole thing was a farce yeah. and a joke well, and, and, and almost an embarrassment. I will, no, not even oh. almost. No, it is squarely an embarrassment. Oh, I lost a tremendous amount of respect wow. for him today. Look at that. Wow. Look How do you not? No, I mean, listen, I heard you guys off the air. Neither of you were particularly impressed by this move. Well, because, first of all, he, he went on Howard Stern today, and Howard actually gave him a way out. Listen, you're not going to retire. Why don't you just walk around the city in a diamondback bikini with a sign that says, I'm a liar and a, and, and, and a fraud, or and a fraud yeah. something like that. And Russo said that he would do that. But that doesn't get you out of the fact. And then he said, why should he retire? It was just a throwaway line. It's no, not a throwaway not. line because the day after you said it, you said, I'm going to double down and say it again. It's not a throwaway line. That was a, it's a, just a gimmicky thing from a guy that I didn't think had to, had to go that. Yeah, in other words, why did Mad Dog say that? He doesn't yeah, need he to. He's got his own had channel. To say that. Right. And a lot of times the team he thought would win lost. It's not like it never happened before. Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. talked about it, too. I'll play another clip. So, again, Arizona did, in fact, win game six and seven. All of social media ready to hold him to his promise. But Mad Dog went on the Howard Stern Show today saying oh. he would not be retiring and agreeing to the following punishment as a way of making amends. He'll walk down the streets of Manhattan wearing an Arizona Diamondbacks bikini <laughs> and a sign that says, I'm a liar and a dope. Why are you pulling a Tom Brady? Like, you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. But don't sit here and walk it back and now the bikini. Is it fair compromise? We'll have to see. We'll win and see it what kind of banana hammock he shows up in. The bikini mm -hmm. thing's only like a one-day thing, right? I think right. he needs... <laughs> For the rest I, of his career? <laughs> yeah, like, he needs to do something that's going to last, like shave an eyebrow off or something. <laughs> uh, the panel on the TV show, The Talk, thought my solution was brilliant. So people have <laughs> retired and unretired. Oh, yeah, Brady. Prime Brady. did it. Brady did it. Yep. Um, somebody else did it. Um, Brady. Um, yeah. No, um, Michael Jordan did it. Michael Jordan did it. Johnson. Yeah, so you can retire and unretire. What I would, retire what, for the day and come back the that, next That's morning. what I'm thinking. No, yeah, he should know. retire. He retired more. Well, I like what Howard Stern is trying to get him to do is run down the next go down the street with a bikini, bikini on or something. On. I think that's funny. Oh, Howard that Stern, you are a genius. Uh, on that show, you got to talk faster. You can't get a word in, I, I, I assume. <laughs> Even the Diamondbacks manager, Tori Lovello, I hope I'm saying that right, Wade in. He loves the idea of the punishment. He liked it. A deal's a deal. Wow. I agree. Like, you got to, you got to, you can't back out of that one, Mad Dog. You got to do something. I don't know if you're talking about TV, radio, but I do like Howard Stern's thought about walking with a billboard saying that I am um, whatever, a liar and an a-hole in midtown Manhattan for half a day. That'll do it for me, but I ain't going to forgive you until you do something unbelievable. Maybe show up here and say you're sorry to the entire team. Anyways, that's all I want to say about that. Well, this was during his first World Series press conference. So what I'm telling you, Robin, is this story made big news that... Yes, this was a big deal. That Mad Dog was not going to make good on his bed and retire, but in order to make up for it, he had negotiated with me to wear a bikini in the streets of Manhattan with a big sign on him. That was a little bit humiliating because, listen, you got to come up with something if you're going to welch on was. a bet. It was a dumb thing to do. Right. And so everything started getting worse. Even some of the song parody people started sending in all kind of songs. Mad Dog War and Itsy Bitsy Teeny Weeny Yellow Douche Bag Bikini Cause on the 
I mean, in the sports talk world, it's a manly world. If you don't make good on a bet, they go fucking nuts. If they win the next two games and win this series in seven games, I will retire on the spot. Yeah. And so, you know, this was I I thought I was helping the dude. I really did. I thought this was a good thing. You got to do something humiliating. You can't come up with a nice kind of answer to this. Some, you know, you got to You got to you got to take it. You can't ignore it. You can't just keep going like it didn't happen. So everyone was excited about it. you come on my show. We put you in a bikini and you walk down the street with a sign that says I'm a dude. It's Mad Dog's walk of shame. No! Walk of shame. Yeah, retirement from the game. It's Mad Dog's walk of shame. Let's see those butt cheeks. People would say, okay, he didn't retire, but you know what? He suffered. I agree. Well, of course he's it. I agree. Because he knows he's never going to be able to live this down. If he doesn't right. do the walk of shame... It's going to be, hey, hey, dude, how do we how do we take you seriously? You know, it's, it's going to come up over and over and over and over again in his life. So he agreed to it. Well, here you go. What I hate happened? to say this because I love the guy, but I think he's making a big mistake. But, hey, that's up to him. I got this word from Mad Dog's team. Oh, Chris he didn't will, even give it to you. He had the team write something? Yeah. He's saying... Basically, they're saying, and I'm paraphrasing, Mad Dog, when he was on the air with us the other day, was in over his head. and he He's is, always he, in over his head. He's making yeah, pronouncements yeah. that he won't keep. <laughs> he was in over his head a bit and quickly realized there's no way he could do what they agreed upon. They're saying that Mad He's He is, however, willing to come on the phone from Phoenix on monday morning to take a beating from howard for not going through with the bikini plan i don't have time for it today uh maybe tomorrow um just to be clear as we discussed he will not agree to do something that puts him in an embarrassing and humiliating situation he's got his wife and family to consider here and he's also an employee of Major League Baseball. Okay. They don't mind. His wife doesn't mind uh, that she's sleeping with a guy who lies and welches on bets. They're using the wife. The wife doesn't care if he walks around in a <laughs> bikini. And Major League Baseball doesn't care if he wears a bikini. It's not all that crazy. It's a, it's a bathing suit. Right. It was a very logical conclusion where he got to save face, he could always go on TV and say, yeah, I didn't make good on my bet. But you know what? I went on the Howard Stern show and I made I, you know, I took it. I took it. I took humiliation. It was embarrassing. No guy his age wants to be in a bikini. You got to do something. You got to do something. So in any case, uh, he's out. He's not doing it. What he's so far um, demonstrated. Is that his word means nothing. Jason, what's going on? 
So, yeah, we've even had an update since we sent you that information. He's not even committing to a phone call now this week. Uh, wow. Friday afternoon. <laughs> his team sent us another. Because we were trying to move the phone call to a better time. We we're willing to fly people out to, to Phoenix to cover him out there. If that's where he's going to be. Trying to make this as easy as possible for him. So all he has to do is put on a bikini or get on Zoom or something. But, um, yeah, it's we like heard he left the his, country. <laughs> Uh, we heard back from his people looking for witness protection or something. I don't know, you know what's going on. I, I swear, Mad Dog's now in hiding. I mean, what? Hey, listen, I love the guy. You know who even called me? Uh, Stephen A. Smith called me to say how excited he was about this. He was like, "Oh man," he was going, "Oh, oh," you know, like he was kind of like, "Oh my God, Mad Dog in a yeah. bathing suit." Oh, <laughs> yeah. He wants to. Uh, he wanted to get down to Arizona and kind of feel what the vibe is and take the temperature down there before he committed to anything else with us. Um, he didn't want to create any further controversy without first connecting with the, the Arizona Diamondbacks and, and Major League Baseball to see what they have planned for him. And um, so he he's a member of Major yeah. League Baseball. I, I don't know what's going on, uh, he but yeah, he needs to in, take the temperature. Yeah. He thinks he's in Major League Baseball. Listen, <laughs> sounds like the only move left is to defect to North Korea and just live there under <laughs> Kim Jong-un. <laughs> This is unbelievable to me. I mean, I, I don't know why he went on the radio and said he'd retire if the uh, Diamondbacks won. I don't know why he said it. I don't get, I'm not a sports guy, but geez, if you, now two times you backed out of a bet and I'm not his advisor. I know the guy. I, I love him on our show. But he's got to, he's got to, he, well, it's even he's got to stop time because he, he took back the, I'll retire. And then he said, I'll miss my son's coaching day. Coaching game. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, he came back and said, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> he can't do I don't anything think, he says he do, he's going to do. I, I don't think he understands when he says something <laughs> that people are going to like remember it. Maybe he thinks it's like Trump, you know, like Trump says shit. What did I hear over the weekend when he was at the, I don't know. There was, oh, I saw him in some press conference, Trump. He was saying, I can't believe I can't even get a jury trial. His lawyers asked for, no, a not, they wanted a judge. They didn't want a jury trial. And he's like, 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 he doesn't even pay attention to that. Like, it's like, fuck that. Yeah, like, like, it, it, it's crazy talk. <laughs> I can't get a jury trial. You didn't ask for a jury trial. Your lawyer asked for a judge to make a ruling. That's what you, you very asked specifically for. asked for no jury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, I do not. He checked the box. I don't want <laughs> yeah, a jury. Want a jury. <laughs> and now he's out there going, I can't even get a jury trial because I'm President Trump. I'm like, dude, you got to stop. And now and, and, and Mad Dog's got to worry, too. You can't but be a Cree, sports how guy. Can he, how can he get on the air and want to talk to people about his opinion and, you know, his expertise in sports and how he's analyzing games and so forth when you can't believe anything he said? Well, I'm out of this thing, man. I don't even I don't want to hear about it anymore. We had it all set up. The bikini. We were in the middle of making a Diamondbacks bikini. You gave him such an easy out. Like, it's so much easier yeah. to put on a bikini than retire from your job. But, uh, right. Blew it. Well, anyway, I'm out of this. I don't care. If he wants to call in and tell us what's going on, great. But anyway, we got uh, Seth Myers standing by. I can't wait to talk to him. I am a big fan of Seth Myers. They have him on at 1.30 in the morning. It's kind of a shame. 
because he does this thing, or is it 1230? I don't know. No, he's on at 1230. He's on after the Tonight Show, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got him on at 1230, but he does this. Well, I'll talk about it when we get back. I want to see how he's doing. But, uh, yeah, he said, I don't know, he's out promoting uh, some stuff and he's going to be doing a stand-up show and stuff with uh, John Oliver, but uh, I was anxious oh, really? to... John Oliver? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how Seth Meyer does it, because his show's pretty intense every night. A lot of writing. Then he's doing stand-up, plus he's got a wife and kids. He's probably ready for a nervous breakdown. I don't know how he's doing it, but okay, let me get to this. What do I want to get to? By the way, uh, Foo Fighters were this weekend's guest on Saturday Night Live. And uh, who used to be the head writer at Saturday Night Live? Seth Meyers. Uh, there's the tie-in. Look at me tying it all together for Seth. Beautifully done. Beautifully done, don't is, you think? Is that a it direct really, tie-in? While I was hearing yeah. Foo Fighters, I was wondering if it was going to be the tie-in, and it was, and I'm really impressed. Yeah, you know, uh, I put a lot of effort into this show. As you, not as much as you do in yours, but I try. I do. I really do. Seth Myers, great to see you in person. It's been a while. It's been way too long. This is a delight. It is a delight. I, I am such a huge fan of your show and what you're doing. You know, I get to see, I don't get to see the show live at 1235. The way I get to view it is I go, um, right after I finish this show, I have my iPhone and I have my lunch. I have my little bowl of food that I eat, like a ravenous dog. And I put your closer look on to see what you did that, you know, the night before. And I sit and eat. And I say to my wife, do you mind that I have Seth cranked up so loud? And she goes, no, I like to hear what's going on. We, we get our news from you, which is, you know, it's just great and also disturbing. It's, yes, uh, I think it's, a, I think we're a good secondary news source. I would get it, yes. I would get it first somewhere else and then use us to sort of cleanse the palate. I believe you're in a really nice groove that, uh, the closer look segment on your show, which essentially evolved from Saturday Night Live's news, which mm -hmm. you, you know, which you wrote for years. But it's gotten to a point where it's like a, a for me anyway, a must see kind of thing. I like to see your take on the news. And I, I just so thoroughly enjoy it. But you seem to be in some kind of new groove. Do I have anything right there? Is there something going on with you? We felt after the pandemic, and especially when we got the audiences back in the studio, that we had a lovely groove and you know obviously like everybody else we shut it down for five months due to the writer strike uh, you know i'm really happy that the writers got the deal they deserve so it was all worth it but we're so happy to be back so i think maybe what you're seeing is just it's the same execution on the writing but the joy is palpable we're all just so happy to be back in the studio together with one another again and when you came back from the writer's strike you did a one hour closer look yeah which uh, I read somewhere was like 181 pages or something. So, I don't know, 81 pages. I don't know how many pages. But that seems like a monumental task to sit and write what essentially on Saturday Night Live is a three-minute bit into a whole hour. You know, the news and analysis of the news. That's a, that's a big undertaking. 
Well, the fascinating thing, too, is we thought we'd do an hour because we had to catch up on the five months we missed. And then the reality and the times we're living in is, you know, that day there was so much news. And we realized if you if you didn't get the New York Times for five months, you wouldn't want the next New York Times to cover the last five months. You lived through it. You know, people were aware of what happened while we were gone. And so the the craziest thing is we did a whole hour closer look, and most of it was about things that had happened over that weekend and, and were happening that Monday. So, you know, it is a... When I started the show, I was so worried, how do you fill an hour every night? And we have never had that problem uh, once we started. Because this closer look thing that you're doing, you have the monologue and then you have a closer look. The monologue you do, you know, you do what? Ten jokes maybe at the most? Ten, twelve jokes. And that's the most like weekend update. Right. And then when you do closer look and you zero in on Rudy Giuliani or Trump or Bobart when she's getting her titties felt up or whatever at at the theater, when you do that, that seems to me like a monumental task. How many guys in, and you are writing this closer look? I'm so glad you asked. First of all, there's one guy who writes the first draft. His name is Sal Gentile, and he is uh, incredibly gifted. And he came from cable news, and that was a really important thing. He's also a uh, comedian as well, but he had worked a little bit. And I think that's what makes a closer look so special is it's structured like a cable news segment it's got a a beginning a middle and end he lays out a thesis he comes to a conclusion and he writes his first draft it's very funny but it's especially incredibly informative he works with a a, a wonderful producer named emily rodas and the two of them work together on it and then myself and our head writer alex bays we just go through and take a pass at the jokes uh let me understand that let me back you up a little bit because this is fascinating to me how long is this segment every night that you do a closer look how long is it it goes somewhere between 10 to 14 minutes. Oh, that's a lot of time in television. Yes. It's a lot of time. And in the 10 to 14 minutes, this guy, Sal Gentile, who worked at cable news, but he's a comedian, yep. which is weird. Yeah. So like, like he's like he's the perfect guy for this. He, what did he do in cable news? So he was I feel like he was maybe a, a, I mean, a segment producer. He, that's what we started with him. He came in and he was one of our guys who had, when we had political guests on our show, he would be the guy who would put together those segments and he would be the guy who would help me write the questions for them. And then the first few closer looks, I tried to write on my own. And I had clocked that Sal was really smart and I just brought him into my office. He wasn't even a writer on our show. And I would say, Hey, does this at least track? Does this all make sense? Because I don't want to, I don't want to trip over my own feet trying to make a point. And Sal very often would say, actually, you know, this is wrong. And, but if you said it this way, it would be right and it would prove your point or at least, you know, make a better case for it. And so very quickly after we brought him in a few times, I said, would you like to be a writer and would you like to be in charge of a closer look? And we, now that's and, amazing. Yeah. And we thought it would be one. And I mean, again, in the beginning it was once a month then it was once a week and and pretty quickly you know we heard the kind of lovely feedback that, that you're giving us it does feel like the part of the show that people turn up for and uh and we do three out of the four days a week that we do our show because we are worried that sal is going to die that's what i was going to say this guy sal gentile yeah to me is a one-off in other words to get a guy who knows that much about the news when he writes the first draft of this thing because i think what i'm trying to say is i know how hard it is to write jokes yes to have a guy who every you know saturday night live has all week to come up with their weekend update which is 10 jokes yeah this closer look is 14 minutes straight of jokes yeah so this guy when he sits down he reads through the newspaper, decides what it is he likes the best, and he puts together the framework of what you're going to talk about that night. 
Yes. And I think the okay. other thing they do is they will, I think he and, and his, uh, uh, his producer, I think they keep an eye on clips that might be informative to the point that you want to make. And so over the course of the weekend, you know, obviously we're doing one tonight. They will be gathering, they'll watch the Sunday morning shows and they'll realize, oh, you know, Lindsey Graham did this interview and, and it's really perfect for the point we're trying to make. And it's also funny. I, the hard look, we have people who can write jokes and Sal's very good at writing jokes as well. The way he builds the sort of, it's like the curtain rod that supports the jokes is the thing that I've met so few people in comedy that they can do because without that, 14 minutes of jokes is not as much fun as people think it would be. Like, you have to have something underneath it that has some nutritional value. I understand. In other words, the reason I like a closer look so much, I'm actually getting the news from it. Yes. Yes, your point of view is funny. But you're right. I think primarily I like it because you're telling the news. I don't even care if there's a joke necessarily. Yes. That's and a very good point. And we've learned there are times where... It's okay, which is very hard as a comedian. It's okay, especially if you're talking about something that has a, a great amount of importance to it. We have built this trust with our audience where if we go sort of two or three minutes uh, laying out something important, they are patient enough with us to know that we didn't forget we're a comedy show. We just, for these few minutes, are going to take a break. Uh, because to make a joke about uh, this subject or that subject would actually undercut the very uh, you know uh, intention of what we're trying to do. The show now is a brutal takedown of Trump, yeah. Rudy Giuliani, and Republicans. It's brutal. Yes. And it's it's wickedly funny. And I sit there when I watch it. Now, I happen to agree with everything you're saying. So uh, you're preaching to the converted with me. And I like seeing, oh, wow, Seth Myers is on my team. I like it. I'm, I'm into it. Do you have any kind of way to gauge if people who disagree with your point of view are watching this? We don't have a sense. I wouldn't uh, begrudge them if they had stopped watching, right? I, I don't think it would be an enjoyable uh, endeavor for someone who believes to this day that, you know, Rudy Giuliani is a, is a good lawyer and he makes great points. If, if you are still in that camp, I, I can't imagine it would be much fun to watch our show. But even from the early days, even before, you know, the Trump moment, because we started our show in, in 2014 and, and by late 2015, we were we were sort of uh, doing a, a far more political show where we were being authentic about how we felt. And it didn't have a giant drop off. It's not like all of a sudden one day we lost half our audience because we started being political. I think that there was a certain expectation of, of who I was when I started this show and people knew what to expect. Isn't it weird, though? It, you have real true disdain <clears throat> for Trump. And I can sense that you feel there's a real danger with this guy. And yet. You're so good at mocking what's going on with him that in a way, if he was successful and continues to be in the news, it's a real conundrum for you. you it's you, not that. I will say this. When it was official that Biden won the last election, that, you know, whatever it was, 35 days later, where you realized it was actually over, the palpable relief I felt to not have to talk about him in the same way was it was less of a conundrum than you would have thought. And I certainly, you know, it's a real reminder of how wrong I am about the future time and time again. I did really think that was the end of him. And I, I, I can't believe we're back in this situation now where 
He's stronger. He's weird. Yeah. You did a takedown the other night of him about how he re- he was giving a speech somewhere and he goes, you know, I just realized <laughs> yeah. U.S. spells us. Yeah. And it was really funny in your in your in your segment because it was like ridiculous. He was carrying on like he was Socrates. He yes. had just said, do you does anyone out there realize that U.S. is us? Repeating it over and over again as if he had discovered something amazing. And I'm like, my God, what would Seth do without this guy? It's so fucking funny. This, of course, the scare, it is so funny. Like he is so, there's so many times where he says things that are so funny. I want to, I would be humorless if my take on him is he just never, he never says a funny thing. The scary thing though is when he says, I just realized U.S. means us, uh, spells us. And then everybody applauds. Like, it's not that he's acting like Socrates. It's that the audience then treats him like he's Socrates. And that's the terrifying part. Yeah, they are like, whoa, that's brilliant. No wonder yeah. you were the president of the United <laughs> States. I never realized U.S. spells us. It's crazy. But, you know, I, I, I when I watch the show, and, and the other weird thing is, too, sometimes I feel you have to go after Biden, of course, about his age or whatever, yeah. in order to be fair. But I, that's when I get upset. I go, I wish Seth wouldn't make fun of Biden because the stakes are too high. I do. I find myself going, oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do this. Don't rock the boat. I look, I think there's something funny about the way Biden has always through his political career told, you know, long sort of winding stories that, you know, often don't pay off. And I, yeah. by the time it ends, you sort of forgot why he was telling it in the first place. But again, that was true. You know, that's been true for his entire political career. It now seems like you're making fun of him for being old. But the reality is a lot of Joe Biden has always been like Joe Biden in the same way that Donald Trump, you know, he's getting older, too. But of course, it does reflect back to the way he was when he was a younger man. Like, you know, when people get older, they don't turn into a totally different person. So. Right. um, But it turns out that Joe Biden has sort of had a lot of features of an older person for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, Biden wasn't like one of these really highly electable guys. I mean, yes, in his home state. Yeah. But he wasn't really a great candidate. But I just feel things are so dangerous out there right now that everyone just has to support him. I don't think he's doing a horrible job by any means. I think the world's a really difficult place right now to navigate. And, you know, you can't even get a budget together. You can't you can't oh, get yeah. anyone to agree on anything. It's fucking dire. Do you feel this sense that the world is going to hell in a handbasket? I don't feel great. And it is, of course, I, you know, it is so weird and scary when you have uh, children, because otherwise you'd say, I think it's I think I'm going to make it. You know, I, right. you start doing the math. And, I do that all the time. Yeah. But then uh, you're like, ah, son of a gun. What, what's it going to be for for them, you know? And, uh, but I, I, you know, it is so funny that I remember doing a joke about Biden when Biden announced he was running for this last time. He's talking about what a, how he would just didn't seem like a viable candidate that how Obama must have thought, I can't believe you didn't know my being my vice president was your last job. Like that you saw that <laughs> as an internship to a bigger job right. and then it yeah. turns out biden was right like we were all wrong and he was uh he was the right guy and it's so funny how i will say you know a lot of 
you read these sort of uh, hand-wringing articles about it, he's got to step aside. You know, he's got to uh, step aside and let, let a younger person. And you, have you ever in your life met an old person who stepped aside after winning? No. He did the thing. It would be like if your grandpa beat you in arm wrestling and then you said, <laughs> okay, that's enough. You're done now. You're, no, you're not the champion of arm wrestling anymore. It's not even so much step aside. There's nobody else. There's no, it's the shortest to, bench. It's the shortest bench in the world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you need a guy who at least believes in the Constitution, who doesn't want to say yeah. the election was overthrown and, uh, I mean, or illegal. Uh, you want somebody who resembles a person who will uh, believe in the Constitution of the United States. You know I, what I mean? Yes. I'm also shocked that you, when people would comment, he clearly is a man of decency, which I yes. thought we also cared about. And it was easy enough to, you know, when there was somebody from a different party than yours in power, you just, at the very core of it, you just wanted them to be a decent person. But that does, that does not seem to bring any satisfaction to anybody today. No, there seems to be a real animosity, like a real genuine hatred. We want to kill the other side. We want to do this and that, the other thing. It's just remarkable. You know what I'm thinking back to also years ago before Trump was president and, and you did that, um, the, the, yeah, you know, you, you were the host uh, of correspondence uh, dinner. Yeah. Correspondence dinner. Yeah. And, uh, Trump dec- afterwards, you had made a couple of Trump jokes even yeah. then. And Trump declared, he goes, Seth Myers is not funny. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's a strange statement for a guy who worked his way up to the head writer on Saturday Night Live. Like, <laughs> like you can't say that about a guy who was the head writer on Saturday Night Live. You can't say he's not funny. Yeah. It must be something funny about this guy. They're not going to hand over a franchise to Seth Meyers if he's not funny. It's such a weird criticism. I He also said I had marbles in my mouth, which I think is even weirder. Because even if you don't think I'm funny, <laughs> I would argue I have excellent enunciation. I, I talk, agree. I talk very fast and almost never stumble. And it was a weird... To say marbles in my mouth was also deeply weird. The That night, you know, there was a lot... The camera kept cutting to him that night during my remarks. But of course, I... If you've ever been in that room, you can't see anybody. I had no idea where he was. I had no idea how he was reacting to any of the jokes. Right. But when I walked off stage, the my phone rang, and it was uh, then-Senator Al Franken, who I had talked to ahead of time because he had hosted that a few times. And uh, we were we were friendly, and he had been incredibly helpful to me. And I remember he just said, uh, if you see uh, Donald Trump, uh, go the other direction. That was, that was the first I heard that it had not it had not played well in the room with uh, with Donald Trump. Alfred, that's kind of nice that Al Franken would call you after something like that. You yes. know what I mean? I, I mean, I like that kind of camaraderie. That yeah, and you know, you know he was also you know um, uh, you know one of the more famous when I was growing up. He was one of the first people I knew. I feel like one of the first writers I knew. You know, oh, Al Franken is a writer for SNL, and I thought that was the coolest job in the world. So even even more so than being a, a United States senator, I thought I didn't realize, oh, you can actually meet someone who wrote for the early SNLs. It's really funny to me, too, because uh, I didn't realize when you tried out for Saturday Night Live, you wanted to be a performer. You didn't want to be the writer. I you did wanted not. to be You wanted to be in the cast. Yes. And you and it sort of developed. Maybe that's why you like this guy who writes for you now. Like, you you know, someone saw this writing ability in you. 
you wanted to be a cast member and they kind of realized early on you were a really good writer and they at one point were going to take you off being a cast member yes. and just make you a writer yes they were <laughs> and it was wisely not... <laughs> yeah wisely you said i still want to be a performer I did. I, I realized I didn't necessarily want to be a sketch performer, but there was sort of one last. And I, I should note, I don't think Lauren was wrong to value me more as a writer than a cast member. I was not adding a ton as a cast member. And so I did not see a future as a sketch performer. But there was this opportunity to do Weekend Update. And I just re I wanted it so badly. And I just thought if I landed there... And then I would also be able to write for the show. It would be the first time in my tenure here where both of us were getting something good out of it. You know, I think right. I, they'd be happy to have me and I'd be happy to be here. And, and so I'm very, very lucky it worked out. In that segment, in a way, the, the news segment yeah. saved you. Oh, it really yeah. did. Because uh, Lauren saw you as a valuable writer. You still needed to perform. And what a luxury to be on Saturday Night Live and know that you're going to have 10 minutes at least on camera every single weekend. Nobody has it. Nobody. Nobody has else it. has that. Yeah. All those other guys are scrambling to get some screen time. Yeah. You, so you know you're locked in. I felt like when you're on update, you walk around SNL that whole week and it feels like everyone's flight's been canceled and you're the only one who's been rebooked. You know what I mean? And yeah. everybody, and so everybody has the energy of like waiting in line at the Delta, you know, a uh, help desk because it's just a mad scramble in an airport where there's no flights. That's what it feels like. And at least when you have update, you know, well, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I wish you all the best of luck. You know, I am going to be on TV on Saturday though. Come hell you know, or It's kind of weird too. You know, I am so fascinated about your whole scene. Because I, you know, I just had Arnold Schwarzenegger on. I don't know if you had him on when he wrote his book. Yeah. A motivational kind of book. And I thought it, when, I, when I first was going to read the book, I went, what the fuck is he going to tell me? How he conquered America and everything's so easy. But it was really a good book. Like he, he talked about sort of organizing his life and, and dreaming. And in a way, a book from you, but it would be too serious for you to write. I don't see how you're writing so much material. With closer look and even going back to the Saturday Night Live days. And yet, you're going to go out and do stand-up. I saw you doing stand-up with John Oliver. Yep. And also, you got a wife and two kids. Three kids. Is it three? It's three now, yeah. Since I, I think since I last saw you. Does you but but it, a lot of the raising of the family and all that, your wife's got to be incredibly tolerant. Yes. of your schedule because i what's your schedule like when you like 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 today what's gonna be so i should know she first of all yes i want to stress she's uh, deeply tolerant of me and an incredible uh, uh wife and mother but after the pandemic we started taping our show earlier in the day we are directly above the tonight show studio and we can't do our shows at the same time and, too loud yeah just too loud the sound and yep. so they do their show at five. And so we started our show probably just because our show airs later. You know, we, we thought we need the extra hour, obviously. And so we would do our show at six 30. Then during the pandemic, because we were doing our show out of an attic and just uploading huge digital files and on slow internet, we basically were turning in everything at about three in the afternoon. And so when we came back after the pandemic, we realized we could, we could do our show at, uh, and be done before the tonight show started. So I'm happy to say that during the week, 
I'm actually a pretty present uh, um, parent and, and husband. And yeah, but then, wait a second. How is that possible? In other words, if you're taping at 3 o'clock or 2.30 in the four. afternoon. Now we tape at 4, yeah. Oh, 4, right. But you've yeah. got to be out by 5 so that yeah, the yeah, Tonight yeah. Show can start their thing. So you're writing. I mean, you're waking up, and what are you hitting the office around 10 a.m.? Oh, no, no, earlier. I, I'm, I'm in by 9, 8.45, 9. And, and you're there at 30 Rock all day just in your office writing? Yeah, pretty much. Writing. No shit. When do you work out? When do you take care of your body? Or you don't take care of it? No, if we get everything, there is a time where the scripts are written and there's nothing to do other than, you know, because we have to build in time for it to like get onto the cue cards and stuff. And so we've, we've got a gym in, in the studio, so I can, I can usually bang out like 30 minutes. So, so to write a joke, like when this guy hands you a script every day and he says, here's the basic bones of what we're going to be doing and what yeah. we're talking about, you sit and read this thing through and you're just, you're just waiting for something to hit you. You're waiting for some kind of funny joke to hit you. Yeah, but it's so nice because there's always, nothing's worse than staring at a blank page, right? Right. That, right. and when I think back to SNL, that was the hardest thing in the world. Somebody, you know, host comes in and so you know, all right, it's, uh, Emma Stone, and it's this week, and here's a blank piece of paper. And, you know, sometimes you would just do weird exercises that weren't helping. I'm going to write down all the cast members' names now, just to see. And they'll be able to look at it and see who can play what. And so that's the hardest thing in the world. When you read a first draft of A Closer Look, there's already this nice downhill momentum, which is, oh, look, we're, we've got, now you're, it's now you almost feel like, it's like you're with a group of friends and there's a conversation. It's easier to be funny with a group of friends because oftentimes you're just commenting on something somebody said or, you know, it becomes a back and forth. So my writing now is, uh, and again, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's miles easier than it used to be. Do you ever keep a journal? Like what I do for this show is I write, I, and I, I don't do this all the time, but sometimes I go, man, I think I'm played out. I don't know what I'm going to do this week. And I just go into this journal and I start to write down everything I'm feeling, which isn't easy for me to even bring that up. When did you out. start? How old? Like when, when, I, when, when did I start radio? When did you start journaling? Oh, recently. Like, yeah. like I'd say within the last seven years i'm so i mean at every point in my life i would be able to tell myself you will not regret if you write down how you're feeling and right. i've never done it and i am so mad at myself because it would just be fast every now and then i find an old email i wrote to somebody where i was yeah. like filling them in on something i was going through and it's like gold because i can't my memory for how i felt is so inaccurate compared to how i wrote it down at the time I went through some old journals and I went, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about that. Oh, I could use that even like a lot yeah. of it. I end up using. But, uh, you know, it's 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 all about that's also do you ever write with a pen and a paper? I like, do. do you ever I do, do, do that. Yeah. When I especially with stand up, if I I like to write it down on. So I carry around, a, you know, one of those moleskins and, and I'll, I will write down not it's not journaling, but it's like, oh, here's a joke idea. And I so I like to write it with pen first and then I write to like to write it out in longhand. And then I like to type it out because I just feel like you live with it a little bit more and you find more if you make it slightly harder physically for yourself. The moleskin is a journal then. It is a journal. I, I'm so mad at myself. I just have bad handwriting and sometimes I look back and it's me. I'm so mad at me from a week ago. Right. Because I, 
I, I, did you have no respect for me in the future that you wanted to write this so quickly? <laughs> did you not right. know it would be you seven days from now that would have to like, right. transcribe it? It's so funny how badly we treat ourselves. Yeah, well, physically writing stuff down has become a... Pl- I actually hired someone to teach me how to write but my handwriting, to get my handwriting better. Wow. And I, I did that because I didn't like my own handwriting. It looked to me like a crazy idiot. And then I went and I started this practice of writing things down, even if it's just a couple of lines a day, and I find it very useful, and I think you would enjoy it. But then again, you kind of are doing that with your little moleskin. Yeah, the moleskin's yeah. helpful. The moleskin's good. Yeah, but I don't know. I cannot figure... The reason I think you should write a book, I do not understand how you do that much writing and then do stand-up. Now, the stand-up, you don't use the material from your TV show no, at all. No, I, I never do, no. It's not as political? It's definitely less political. There's a few uh, uh, mentions, but more as examples of how it affects my personal life than anything political. It is a, 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 for me, the only reason it's worth doing is if it exercises a different muscle and has a, uh, you know, a different sort of emotional payoff for me to do it. So it's fun to talk about family and, and, and the sort of things you can't talk about, uh, in the show. Wow. I mean, to me, are you coming up with new stand-up material, or do you have a set act? Like, do you have I your would like hour? to, you know, I did an hour, which I guess, I think I filmed um, in, no, no, sorry, aired in November 19 on, on Netflix called Lobby Baby. And, uh, and I filmed it in July of 19, and I've been working on a new hour uh, ever since. I mean, obviously, like everybody else, I had to take about a year off because of the pandemic of doing shows. But I've tried to slowly get back and, and work on a new hour. When do you work on a new hour? In other words, you got to go to a club, right? And I work don't. This- I don't. So I, there's a nice. Uh, there was a place called uh, City Winery on the West Side Highway, which I I started doing shows there because it's about 350 seats. And uh, yeah, but I never I I never go to comedy clubs. Uh, I don't. What? I know. I don't. It's. I'm very. I you know. I'm friendly with Colin Quinn, and we we just sat next to each other at a wedding, and I was talking to him about it, and I'm just so fascinated by how. I, I think it's so hard to do a comedy club act that I have so much appreciation for somebody who has to go on after somebody who either just killed, which makes it hard, or they just bombed, which makes it hard. And then you're sort of starting cold and you have to figure out how to do 10 minutes in a way that makes you, gives you information on where that 10 minutes would go. I, so I would much rather go on a stage somewhere and do a full hour. Because I'm trying to build a thing that does sort of have an arc to it, as opposed to just doing little pieces in the club. But I think I is, get something. In, in other it. words, you're not a jokey kind of comic. You're like a situational comic. You want to talk about your life. Yes. And kind of. I think yeah. there's a lot of jokes, but yes, it's not like I can get on stage and and uh, without like doing a little bit of. <laughs> bio work <laughs> you know i the other nice thing too is when i do a show now i you know people i think show up to see me and there's an expectation of oh i know who he is i know the sort of thing he does whereas I, that's why i'm also so impressed by people who do clubs you know they go up and and they're and you know in many cases anonymous the audience had no idea they were going to show up and uh so people who can crush in clubs i i'm i'm uh, i'm so impressed it is, it is the most impressive thing ever yeah it really is Going up in front of a room of people who don't know you and suddenly within minutes creating intimacy. Did you and, did you watch SNL this week? Did you watch uh, Nate Bargetti? Yes, I did. I mean, his monologue was so good. And I, you know, know him a little. He did my show early in the week. 
And he said, I'm going to go. He was like going to New York clubs. And, you know, the host was saying, hey, Nate Bargatze is going to host SNL. He wants to try his monologue here. And he would go out and do it. And I was just so impressed that he was the week of. And by the way, it paid off because it was one of my favorite monologues I've seen at SNL. But man, that guy puts the work in. What did you think of the monologue the guy did? You know the guy, and I'm sorry I'm not thinking of his name. That's rude of me, but he's a terrific comedian. I had him on this show. He's the guy who came out of the closet on his special on Netflix. Gerard Carmichael. Yeah, Gerard. What did you think when he hosted Saturday Night Live? I thought his monologue was fantastic. He's fantastic. And that Rothaniel, that special, is really something. And he is, there was just a level of, of... confidence and it was so funny to think that he had been hiding something because he seems like somebody who is so comfortable being their true self so that's a blast i mean it is look i i think the reason snl endures is they have all different kind of hosts but it is really special when it's a stand-up because you know the monologue is uh, and and i know you know from working there writing a monologue is really hard because you they work best when it's the host saying the way they feel and in their voice. And so when people show up who aren't writers, you know, it's a bit of a back and forth of trying to figure out what the, what I don't want to put words in your mouth, right? It's not a sketch. You're not playing a character. You get to be you. And so when a stand up shows up and they're like, Oh, I'm good. I can, I can handle that eight, nine, 10 minute chunk. It just gets the show off to the nicest possible start. That's why, I mean, you know, I don't know if it's true that you might take over for Lorne Michaels or Tina Fey might take over for Lorne Michaels when he decides to retire. But if I was taking over the producing job of Saturday Night Live and I'm, you know, I'm just playing a game here, I would immediately assign a stand up comedian who I admired, like Gerard. And I told Gerard this. I said, I would have you come out every week and do the opener. Yeah. Why does it have to be the guest host doing the opener when they have to do the sticky dance number and all that other stuff? <laughs> I love a guy who comes out and tells me something about himself or talks about something that's going on in the world. And this that could why, be why this is why it, it's uh, Lauren is the perfect person for it and he is irreplaceable. I think a lot of people like us have those ideas. And they wouldn't work. I don't quite know why it wouldn't <laughs> right. work. I'm not saying right. you have you have a bad idea right now. I just it's know, probably bad. Yeah, but I just yeah. know that weirdly he understands. There's this ebb and flow, and almost part of it is. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that they ever try to do a bad monologue, but I think there is an understanding that there are going to be certain kind of hosts where the monologue is going to be a lot harder based on who the host is. Yeah. And that's okay too, because you know, it's like that, um, it's that karate kid thing. Ideally at some point, you know, this time we're just, we're not doing karate, but we're painting the house and later it's going to make us better at karate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, what, you know, the clip that's driving me nuts, this is kind of crazy, and you're going to tell me I'm nuts. But when Jennifer Lawrence came on your show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and she turns to you and says, oh, my God, when you were the head writer at Saturday Night Live, I had such a massive crush on you. Now, to me, like Jennifer Lawrence is like one of the most attractive, I mean, physically attractive. I don't know what she's like as a person, but physically attractive women uh, I've ever seen. 
And, you know, what a compliment. She goes, you know, Seth, I was hanging out with you for the week, and I really wanted to ask you out, but at the time, I found out you were engaged. Yeah. You know, you were already engaged. That story is just a fucking crazy story. And I know you love your wife and you love your kids, but it's like, oh, shit, I could have <laughs> dated Jennifer Lawrence. Does that, does that enter your mind at least once a week or have you, you just have no time for it? I just don't have time for it. I was very, I should stress, I was very flattered and uh, my wife was so happy. She was just, what? I'm so happy. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence uh, told you that story. I'm so glad yeah. that you have that in your back pocket every single day. Um, you know, the really funny thing is now one, I, I was engaged. So obviously I don't, I would never have like a flirt radar up, but I never, I feel like when I worked at SNL, I never had the bandwidth to flirt with anyone. And so many, even before I, you know, even when I was single, like so many of the most charming, uh, you know, beautiful, intelligent, uh, women came through that show. And I, you know, I also feel like I was always like filthy and, uh, sweaty and stressed. And, uh, uh, so it really, I, I, I mostly just think it, it reflects poorly on Jennifer Lawrence's taste that <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and like, whoa, yeah. and that, I watched that. I've seen that clip a couple of times. It makes me mental. Yeah. It just makes me crazy. It's so, it's so strange. The other thing too was, um, w the other clip was Taylor Swift saying, gee, when I was on Saturday Night Live and I get, I got to host and I don't know, she was a kid. She was like 19 years old. Yeah. She goes, no one came to me and gave me any advice. No one came to me and helped me out in terms of like, this seemed pretty overwhelming to be hosting Saturday Night Live. And yet, no, you know, that's a problem. Like, People think you're supposed to know what to do when you're hosting Saturday Night Live. In a way, it's a, a tremendous task, especially for a kid who's a singer. She's not a performer that way. Insane. It is. That is. Here's what's even crazier. I worked at that show for 12 and a half years. And then I think about three years after I left, I went back and hosted for the first time. And if you asked me what it was like to host, I would tell you today. And I worked there longer than almost anybody. I was like, Howard, no one tells you anything. Like, even I, who had worked there, couldn't believe how it works. And I retroactively was so, I felt so guilty about how I had treated hosts for my time there. And let me make it clear. I was always very polite to hosts. I, I always wanted them to score. If they won, I feel like we won. But... You know, a host sometimes would say to me, I don't understand what I'm doing this sketch. And in my head, what I wanted to say is, just fucking do it. Right. Like, just do it. We don't have time for nonsense. Yes, we wrote it, right. just do it. And then when I hosted, there were a few times where I realized what I was thinking was, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with this sketch. And I, it was... I was, I, I, I individually want to like write a letter to everybody hosted and I was there and I'm like, if I was impatient with you, I just want to tell you how deeply sorry I am now having done the other thing. And also, you know, I've told the story a bunch because Taylor Swift and it really speaks to what a force of nature she is and the depths of her talent. But here's a 19 year old who, again, nobody is really helping out. Nobody gave her a manual of how to do that show. And yet, in the way Gerard did it, in the way Nate Bargatze just did it, she came to us and said, I wrote a song for the opening monologue. Wow. And I remember saying, oh, God, that's great. And she said, can I play it for you? Now, my nightmare in life is someone looking at me while they play a guitar. 
and singing a song. If you, (laughs) that is, if my personal hell is I go to hell and it's a kitchen at a party and I can't get to the beer in the fridge without hearing a dude sing me a song. And so we brought Taylor into Lauren's office and it was maybe me and Lauren and one other person. And Howard, she sings this song, which is not only, you know, a beautiful song uh, by a beautiful singer. It's a perfect SNL monologue, fully formed. And it was, I can't, to this day, I've sort of never had a moment like that where someone brings you a fully uh, gift wrapped present and it's exactly uh, what you needed it to be. So yeah. Can can you imagine, I mean, having the balls at 19, this is what I mean about certain performers, having the balls to walk into Lorne Michaels office in your office and you guys are all comfortable, you know, each other and this and that and standing there vulnerable with a guitar. Yeah. It's almost insane. I be able to do that. The thing I should have done is when she finished, I should have said now Taylor, just, for you, I want to look at you and read what we had written for you, just so you know how much fucking worse it was. Like, not only is your song great, but you can't even begin to imagine how shitty what we were doing for you is compared to how great what you did for yourself is. Wow. Yeah. You know, I did have the opportunity. Lorne had asked me to host Saturday Night Live, and, you know, and I acted like an idiot in front of his office. I was very, very disrespectful. I, I was crazy. I've said this before on the air. But I think if I'm being honest, now that I look back on it, I think I was scared shitless. Of course. I don't know. You know, I was like, I was comfortable doing radio. Yeah. I was not a television performer. I didn't know anybody there. I felt totally insecure. And I start telling Lauren, I'm bringing in my own guys to write my stuff. And, you know, and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. of course he was like, get the fuck out Like, who the hell are you? But, but the truth is, it's an intimidating task going to go out in front of millions of people and just do this material basically for the first time you know maybe there's a couple of rehearsals it's insanely difficult yes it almost having kids as well made me realize and not that you ever want to excuse bad behavior but every host who was an asshole i realize now was just scared you know because you have kids and when they behave terribly it's not because they're bad it's just that they are you know scared yeah, either hosts were very scared or uh, hungry, because that's another thing that makes my kids be assholes. Looking back, I just think we should have given the hosts more snacks. Yeah, maybe if you fed them a little more food, Make they sure would they get calm. Because we certainly don't let them get a good night's sleep when they host the show. Yeah, no, it's a crazy thing. It really, it really truly is. So you're going out with uh, John Oliver. Yeah. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve in Vegas. With uh, Brooks Whelan, who's a, a former SNL cast member, he's going to be with us as well. It's going to be really fun. John has been doing this for years. John Oliver has been doing New Year's Eve shows. He's been trying to sell me on this idea, not even doing it with him. He's like, you're crazy if you don't do a show on New Year's Eve. I know you. I know you don't want to go out to a party on New Year's Eve. I know your wife. I know she doesn't want to go out to a party on New Year's Eve. Why are you not monetizing the fact that you do not want to be out? Why not just go... <laughs> Do a thing you like doing more. Because, again, the worst thing about New Year's Eve is you spend the night uh, talking to people maybe you don't want to talk to. I get to go on stage. I get to talk. Nobody else is allowed to talk for the whole time. And uh, yeah, but, I'm very but, excited. But you're, you're claiming that you don't go out and do much warm. I mean, yes, you do a TV show every day. But stand-up yeah. is very different. You don't do a lot of enough dates 
It's I, like I, you're you know, able to. Yeah, I try to go out like two or three times a month. I would say. Oh, but, you do? Yeah, yeah. So, or wow. I try to get up about two or three times a month. I'm doing a show, and I I do just want to say this because uh, it's an important show, and hopefully, if anybody's listening, I'm doing a show Saturday in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is where I went to high school and where my parents still are, um, at, at the uh, uh, Snoo Center in Manchester. And so, if you live in New Hampshire, do please come out uh, and check a hometown boy. The Snoo Center. Southern New Hampshire University, S-N-H-U, but they call it the SNU. I've been and it's told. a big show for you because your parents will be there and it's a... A lot of high school friends. It's a, it's a fundraiser for some uh, the Granite State Children's Alliance and uh, CASA of New Hampshire, which are two great organizations that help out kids. And my parents are involved with those charities. So but you got to, you know, when you go home, when you go to your home state, you got to sell the tickets. You know what I mean? Because otherwise you start worrying... You know? Well, you feel like a fucking asshole. I yeah. mean, you, you, you know, the part of, part of, I think, I don't know if it's this, you seem way more together than me, but for me, going home. Yeah. Would be like, I gotta go in and strut my stuff. I'm a big star now. I mean, I got my own television show. I was on Saturday Night Live. And God knows you don't want to see any empty seats. Right. At your home, right? I mean, it's <laughs> embarrassing. Even though it shouldn't be. I mean, what the fuck is anyone else doing? I know. But th- there's an ego involved in this, right? Well, also, you know, I think there's that, you know, New Hampshire, and I think true of everywhere in New England, like nothing, you know, because you'll see, I will see my dearest high school friends after the show. And uh, and if it's sparsely attended, they, they're they going to let me know they noticed. Do you think there's going to be any element of the guys who were not so nice to you or women that were not nice to you in high school will be there? Like, do you think there's any of that? In- I, you know what? I had a, I went to a nice, it was a big public high school and it was a pretty good group. Like, it was a pretty good group. I went back to, for my tenure. I remember, I, and I just started on SNL. Uh, and I went back for my tenure high school reunion. And I, I, you know, and I, I have a little shame with this. I had, there would be a bit of like, I told you so, you know? And yet, every, the amount of kids that came up was like, I knew it. Like, cause I did comedy stuff in high school. And so nobody was, everybody was so happy for me. Not only that, they were saying, this is exactly what we thought you should be doing. We're so, I can't believe it. What do you mean you did comedy stuff in high school? Like you would would do do like go to clubs? No, no, no. We would do like comedy nights at the high school, like an annual comedy night where we would do like bad sketches where we do impressions of teachers and stuff. But people knew that this is what I wanted to do. You knew early on this is what I you did. wanted to do. Yeah, I did. That's amazing. It's the best. Where the hell does that come from? Do you have performers in your family? My mom was a, a theater major in college, and then she ended up being a school teacher, which I think has an element of performance to it. And my dad is a very funny um, person. I think he's that. He's of that generation where uh, storytelling was just really well respected, and yeah. you know, uh, he knows how to spin a yarn. But the biggest thing about it was that my parents loved snl you know that i am i feel that first generation of kid whose parents watched it and so then you're watching it and i remember we would my brother and i would watch it live on saturday but we'd also tape it on vhs and when my parents would wake up we would sit down and and we'd all watch we would play the best three sketches for them uh that we thought they would enjoy and being a, a dopey kid, you go, I'm going to one day work on that show. Did you do any of that kind of I stuff? I never thought that. I thought, you know, I thought I would do comedy, but I never dare. I, I have a very, uh, it's not, it's not that I have a low self-esteem, but I just kind of thought people who aimed high were crazy. 
You know what I mean? Like, I remember, yeah. you know, people who would say, like, I'm going to be on SNL one day. I'm like, what are you fucking talking about? Nobody gets on SNL. You live in New Hampshire. You don't yeah, get on no, SNL. Yeah, no, it'd be like, although the crazy, you know, the crazy thing is two people from my hometown, basically. Adam Sandler. Sarah Silverman. And Sarah Silverman. Yeah, Adam so Sandler. That, so I remember watching Adam Sandler on Letterman doing stand-up in a, in, on like a TV. I got bought a black and white TV at like a yard sale and I had it in my bedroom and I was watching Sandler and I, you know, he, I didn't know him, but I knew people who, you know, their older siblings knew his. And so I remember seeing him and I'm like, well, that's that. There's not going to be two of us. You know what I mean? Like, they're not gonna <laughs> what are be, the odds? And then when Sarah Silverman made it, I'm like, well, that's really, you know, lightning never strikes a third time. Yeah. Um, so it is, uh, it has been such a lovely trip that, uh, you know, uh, we, the three of us have given the, uh, the area of, you know, Southern well, New Hampshire a lot to be proud of. What are of. the odds of Southern New Hampshire producing three people who end up on Saturday Night Live? You think about that. That's like, it's a, it's a billion to one shot. It's, also, and also uh, New Hampshire, not, uh, famous for, uh, exporting comedy. a lot of, a lot of Jewish people either. And, uh, right. you know, not, not a massive, and, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, and both of them are, and, and I at this point basically am. You know, it's true, too, because when I watch you on TV and you start doing your Rudy Giuliani impression and you do your Trump, you're a good impression. Like, you are a performer. You are, you you do good imp- The Giuliani's really good. Thank you very much. Yeah, he I, speaks I, through I, me. I, I, I can't do it, but it's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a, what do you do? It's like a fucker. It's like a, yeah. He's always like, it feels like he's always also surprised by what just happened. He's like, I don't know what happened to you. Look, we're going to do our very best. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. What ha- I mean, I'm like one of the biggest Rudy fans in the world when he was mayor of New York. Uh, I, 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 I was personal friends with him. He was over to my home many, many times having uh, dinner and uh, with his wife at the time. I don't know what happened. Was he a What's good was he a, a good conversationalist at those dinners? Did he did wonderful? You yeah. Wonderful. He would tell me stories about starting out as a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan. And yeah. I mean, the man's tremendously accomplished. And I don't know what's going on. I mean, and he had such credibility. And um, I've, I've, you know, I've met people who, who were, worked with him and worked for him and, and had nothing but respect for him. And, and they kind of can't quite wrap their heads around it either. He, you know, he did my first SNL was the one after 9-11. And that was, you know, the, the Lauren, uh, can we be funny? And. And Rudy saying, "Why start now?" Which was a perfectly, <laughs> perfectly written and delivered line. And then yeah. I remember he came back when he was running in '08. I mean, it wasn't going well for him, but we did a an update feature together. And uh, yeah, you know, he was always, you know, and I, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, living through, you know, what we lived through in in two thousand one. It was he was one of those people that you felt. Uh, you felt the connection to you thought would would sort of last uh, forever, and then obviously hasn't. Do you think he truly believes the election was stolen? I'm gonna say to his, oh man, that's such a tricky question because weirdly you're giving him credit if you say yes, because at that point you're saying this is a mental illness. Yeah. Um, because the the more insidious is he doesn't believe, and yet he's out there. Uh. But I believe he does believe it. Yeah. I do. But man, it's... Because I, I can't think the insidious thing where he doesn't believe it and he wants to overthrow an election. I can't believe that of him. And, you know, if I saw him today, I'd be like, Gee, I, I still have a very fond... He has a fond place in my heart. 
I just can't reconcile who he is right now with 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 the guy I know. Yeah, and I I, I, and think I enjoy when him. you when you know. It's easy for someone like me who doesn't have a personal connection, but I, I you know, I've known people who have lost, uh, you know, family members uh, to this sort of QAnon conspiracy laden way of thinking, and they can't give up on those people. And I don't, I don't uh, begrudge them the fact that they still have hope that all of a sudden they're going to snap back into who they were beforehand. There are two pictures you rely on in your monologues. It's um, yeah, Rudy. With his eyes popping out of his head. Bug-eyed Rudy, and, yes. Bug-eyed Rudy. And then you got another one where Rudy's got the hair dye running down the side of his yeah, face. Yeah, the weirdest, yeah, the, the the dark black oil leak out of the side yes. of his head. Which is now from the very famous press conference that uh, pretty much everybody on stage has been indicted. You use those as your punchline many, many times. I mean, you rely yes. on those. Oh, you know, there's one other thing I got to tell you, too. You On your TV show, you had an uh, an argument with Post Malone. When you guys were drinking, you do this segment. I, I yeah. get the name of the segment. Day but drinking. You guys day drinking. Yeah. You, got, you go out with a guest and you drink your ass off. Yes. And and it's a great segment. But Post Malone, who I've had on the show, says to you, the that Superman is faster than the Flash. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I'm a huge comic book reader. Yeah. I have the com, or at least I used to before my mother yeah. gave it away to a kid down the block. I had the comic book where Superman and Flash raced around the Earth. I think it was, I forget how many times. Yeah. Flash won by like less than a second. Yes. Flash is faster than Superman. Flash no has question. no purpose in the DC universe if he's not faster than Superman. Like what is, right. just hang it up. Just go in to go back to, you know, being a crime lab technician. It is... What is the point of having Flash if he's not a little bit faster than Superman? By the way, yeah. this is, I don't know if you would love it or hate it. The amount I have to talk to my kids about this, about Superman really? and the Flash. Like they, I made the mistake of bringing it up and they have so many questions about Superman and the Flash. It's always Superman versus somebody. Like my son uh, is going to be a vampire for Halloween and he was trying on his costume and then he said, who, he was like, who would win a fight between a vampire and Superman? And I'm like, Superman. And he's like, right, right, right. Because the fangs couldn't get through Superman's skin. I'm like, that's exactly right. And he's like, that's good, right. good, 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 good. But it's, I like that there's <laughs> so much of their time is spent uh, thinking about who would do how well in a fight versus Superman. And it's, you know, first of all, you have, you have two sons and a daughter? Two sons and a daughter, yeah. Yeah, you see, so you get that. Like, I, whenever... Um, um, my nephews or stuff would come over and they were little. I would take them up to my office and I'd bring up my comic books and I would read to them and they would ask me questions about Spider-Man and then if anything from the DC universe, I'm very yeah. well versed in DC because that's what I grew up with. My cousin painted all the covers so I had all the comics. That's great. And, yeah. And so little boys love this fucking argument. They love it. They love it. And when they meet an adult who can answer these questions... They instantly fall in love with you. They it's, just yes. think you're the greatest. It's the best. I bought, I, I found this uh, original comic art. It wasn't, I don't think it was from a book. It might have just been a, a promo art piece, but this John Cassidy is his name, great artist. And it's a picture of the Flash running ahead of Superman and like waving, like giving a cheerful wave back and Superman like 
Sorry, and I thought, oh, what? A, and it was so disappointing because, you know, these, you know, original comic art, they're not cheap. Got it framed, brought it to the boys' room. I thought this will end the argument. And uh, it, no appreciation for it as a piece of art or the fact that I spent a lot of money and just didn't answer any of the questions. Because part of it is they just want to keep answering. They keep, want to keep asking and make you keep answering. I was once talking on the air about the lamest superhero was Bouncing Boy. Do you remember Bouncing Boy? Yeah, he was Teen Titans, right? Teen Titans. Oh, not Teen Titans, the Legion, Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of, uh, yeah, uh, right. superheroes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he would just, he was the size of a basketball, like he would, yeah. he could blow himself and he could bounce. Yeah. And he was super lame. And, uh, I did a whole routine on it and Jimmy Kimmel went out and bought me, um, a Bouncing Boy comic. Yeah. And framed it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I said to Jimmy, I'm not that into Bouncing Boy, but thank you. I yeah. mean, I, I, I don't care that much about him. Let me say, Jimmy so, Kimmel, though, that is a very Jimmy Kimmel thing. He is uh, yes. he is so big-hearted. And if you, the biggest. If you make the mistake of showing him anything about uh, <laughs> about your life or anything you're interested in, you, the man will get you a gift because he is... Uh... Wait, he was giving you... Were you, you took pictures at his wedding? Uh, did I take pictures? No, I didn't take pictures at his wedding. <sighs> he said you took pictures of him and, and Molly oh, somewhere. I know what he's talking okay, about. Okay, gotcha. Jimmy came, comes out to my house, and I was way deep into photography. Yes. I was studying with a wedding photographer. I was going into the city and, and working with an editorial photographer and shooting. Knee deep in it. I mean, way into it. So uh, Jimmy comes out with Molly, and they just got engaged. And so I took um, love portraits of them, um, and they're very lovely, lovey-dovey portraits of them. And uh, yeah, I, I I took a whole bunch of them. That's great. <laughs> yeah. See, so you, like yeah. <laughs> but he was he was very pliable. Like I'd say, kiss Molly this way or hold her head this way. Put your hand behind her head. Like it was like a romance novel, but it was Jimmy. You That's know, wonderful. It was funny as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it was really <laughs> funny. Did you enjoy doing that whole thing with uh, Jimmy and, and Jimmy Fallon? And yes, the, the Colbert sp- and Oliver, the Strike Force 5 podcast. I yeah, did. Yeah. I did. And I had a lot of, I always knew it was for a good cause that, you know, we right. were going to raise money, help support our staff during the writer's strike. So it was a no brainer to do it. It was a way more fun than I thought it would be. Right. I, you know, in the beginning, it took us a while to find our, our footing. You know, when you have five hosts, yeah. sharing focus can be a little, a little tricky. And then, yeah. You uh, to the point, not actually because everybody talks at the same time. Some people are so concerned about how the interaction is going to work, they get very quiet. So it was it, it, and then we kind of find out we found our footing. The the fifth episode, I keep saying this is, uh, and that's I think how I know this story about you taking the pictures of of Jimmy and Molly was about our wives, and it was right. Jimmy Fallon hosted it, and it was um. A sort of a newlywed game type episode and it was really really fun and and that's i think once we actually got to because i think all of us know how to tell stories about who we are as people and our relationship with our wives and then it became less of a how do you host your show i host my show which i think is is interesting to people who care about this on a granular level but it became a lot more human when we started talking about stuff like wife and kids you just made me realize I, i've never met your wife but uh jimmy fallon's wife is one of my favorite people Nancy? And, and Nancy, she's just a, a tremendous, uh, she's a tremendous force of nature. Yes. I mean, she's really lovely. Yes. And uh, like and one of those people that uh, there's a genuine light uh, to the way she uh, smiles. Like she, I mean, emits a really positive vibe. 
And the same with uh, Jimmy Kimmel's wife, Molly. Yes. I'm so taken with her, and, and she's so fucking funny. Jimmy's a funny guy, very naturally funny guy when you're talking to him. But Molly is wickedly funny. And I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, it's really interesting to meet someone's spouse. That's why even like when I read about your spouse, she's a very beautiful woman. I've seen pictures of her and super accomplished, yes. right? Lawyer, yes. uh, prosecutor. Former prosecutor, yep. Former prosecutor. What's her story? Does she, is she wanting to go back to work or has she gone back to work or does she? Yeah, she works with a great organization called Sanctuary for Families and uh, she still uh, works with them. So she's she's balancing, um, you know, both being a, a mom and doing an incredible job at that, but also uh, also working. Wow. You yeah. guys are like the busiest show business couple. What about your, your personal safety, too? I mean, I know when you talk politics. And you're brutally frank about your opinion, and which is so great. I love it, even if you if people disagree. But it's gotten to the point in this country where people will will, will if they 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 start threatening your life. Yes, they, I mean we want to kill you. You know we haven't. Uh, you know I will knock on what as I say this. We have not received any of those. I, I and I I only say that because uh, you know I have I have friends and colleagues who have gotten uh, credible. Uh, death threats and so i i don't want to i'm i mostly want to say that it is happening but we don't we have a very very robust security team at nbc and and i think if anything happened i would certainly know right away who to reach out to the scary thing is you just have a lot of obviously uh deeply disturbed people who want to make a threat who you know when you know when nbc follows up the reality is these were not people who had any intention of taking the next step, but you know, you have to react and, and you know, uh, it gets scarier the more your life is intertwined with your own loved ones. How much longer do you think you see yourself doing a late night show? Or do you, I mean, you know, 1230 at night hardly matters because like I watch the show on YouTube. So for me, it's one of my favorite shows. I don't have to stay up and watch yeah. it. So it's great. But uh, the burnout factor has got to be huge. I mean, uh, unless you're just loving it so much. I really love it a lot. I'd like to keep doing it for a while longer. I, you know, I try to, I kind of think of it all in, in five year chunks and I'm in the middle. I'm in, you know, uh, sort of the back half of the second five years of doing the show and really enjoying it. Things like the pandemic, things like the writer's strike, if anything, made me appreciate doing the show more, not less. Um, you know, you, you feel like, uh, you know, having a writer's strike, even more than the pandemic, because in the pandemic, we were figuring out how to do the show. We didn't really stop. You know, taking five months off, it, it is uh, a real illustration of of what the show gives you and and how much happier it makes you and and just you know i get to the show is very ideally it's cathartic to watch but and i think the reason it's cathartic for certain people to watch it is it's so cathartic to do because otherwise you're just sort of muttering about uh the day's events in a way that isn't particularly healthy and uh yeah so it's a big it's a big important piece of my life yeah what i i take the summers off and yeah. there's a thing, and I go, this is euphoric, this is great, This I've never had time off in my life, I've worked straight through all the time, I always had 50 different jobs going. Two, three weeks in, I start to go, oh, I need an audience. Yeah. I, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's a little weird. Like, uh, what do you think that is? Like, you need an audience. I know. I said to you my, uh, I said to my wife and kids at one point during the summer, I was like, I love you all very much. I am not getting what I need from you on an audience level. Right. Yeah. I say that to my wife. Yeah. You can't seem to fill that black hole inside yeah. of me. Like, not only, <laughs> even if you laughed at everything, which you are definitely not doing, 
it would not be as much fun as, and again, it is like, what is that piece in us that I want to, Hey, uh, I love you guys all very much, but there's 180 strangers and 30 rock and uh, daddy (laughs) wants to go hear what they think. Why did you say 30 Rock is such a great building to work in or like or a great place to work in? Is it because of all the all of the creativity going on? I, in there first of all, it's a beautiful building of like a bygone era. It's just this gorgeous Art Deco building murals on the wall. It just feels like a place people are proud to work in. And then, you, you know, there aren't many buildings in this country left that are showbiz buildings you know yeah the fact that the tonight show is there and snl is there and nbc news is there and you know the today shows across the plaza yeah, it's exciting it just feels it it felt it feels exactly the way i thought it would feel when i first walked in there uh you feel like you're in show business right you like feel all like of you're in show sudden. business yeah yeah that's it that's how i felt when i got when i started working there and and Letterman had just started. Yeah. And we would like look in on each other's shows. He would come up and look through the glass in my radio studio. And yeah, it was very cool. And, but then I got my balls busted so bad that I just ha- became to hate that building. But it is, it's exciting if you're, yeah. if you can get comfortable there. Well, you know, go ahead. You well, I was just going to say, you know, in LA, um, and, and, I, I obviously think people do great shows out there, but it's just, it feels different to like go into one of those studios that just, you know, they're obviously way more efficient and they make more sense to have these giant, you know, airplane hangers where they're doing a bunch of TV shows. But it's almost the audacity of doing a television show on the eighth floor of an office building. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Like it's, the, it's so audacious. And uh, that's the part I really like about it. Yeah. Cause you think about it, think about how much that real estate costs even. Like I know. to have a studio in this building and and to the, it's crazy it's and so you, dumb and it you know i work yeah. in an office i look at over the ice rink you know the tree goes up it's right there it's so so it's not just show business it's also like iconically you know you can see a cathedral you can see a tree it's the best you don't like drop downstairs and go visit uh, Jimmy Fallon or something, do you? You're just like kind of in your own separate no. bubble. I, the, it's the bigger was how quickly I realized nobody at SNL wanted to see me after I left because I'm on the <laughs> floor <you're> right there. <laughs> and then when I first started, I did the way it's like if you went to college next to your high school and because it's really down the hall. And yeah. I would walk in on Thursdays, I'd finish taping, so I'd be done for the week, and I'd walk into the writer's room, and these are all, you know, again, this is right after I left. So this is my writing staff. These are guys, three, because it was only three weeks off between when I finished SNL, starting my show. So these are my guys, right? And right. I'd walk in, and the best way I can describe it, it was like I was a plastic surgeon at a hospital, walking <laughs> down to the ER unit right after a bus, bus crash. <laughs> And I'm like, you guys want to go golfing this weekend? And they're like, get the fuck out of here. Wow. Like, it's just a different it's vibe. It's cold. Yeah. It's cold. Just, Give me your best prediction. Okay. Is Trump going to go to jail? My best prediction is he is not going to go to jail. I think he might get uh, found guilty with no jail time. I can't jail really? time. Yeah. But again, this is I'm, I've been. I want to stress to you and all of uh, your listeners. I'm so rarely right about predictions. I think I'm good at commenting about things that have happened and what it means. 
but I'm very bad at predicting uh, how human beings are going to react in the future. Yeah, because you seem to be smart. I mean, you seem to know stuff. You seem to be politically astute. So I, I yes, ask you this. But I don't, I mean, I just, I think. Who that, wins the next election? That I don't know either. Jesus, I thought yeah. you'd know something. I mean, I, I certainly, I will tell you, I knew, I knew a year ago that Ron DeSantis wasn't going to beat Donald Trump in a primary. Really? I think I was right on that, at least. Yeah, you were right. Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm just shocked. I mean, who knows, but I, the, anybody who tries to use the Trump playbook against Trump is going to lose because he's just gonna, it's hmm. like trying to play, uh, win a piano contest against Mozart by playing a Mozart song. You know, do you think, do you, th right, exactly. Yeah. Do you think something, some, something has to change in this country in the sense that the Electoral College got started because when they set up this country, every other country that has free vote, it's always whoever gets the most votes win. Yeah. They set up this Electoral College in our country because the founders were very worried that we would ignore or there would be no power given to people in the South or out West. Yeah. Agricultural you know. places where there's more land and less people. That's right. Yeah. It was, a, it was a, a, an interesting idea. But now we are being ruled. We, we, we've, we have actual presidents in our history who get elected with like three million less votes than the other person. And they're the president. Yes. Now we have a Supreme Court that bans abortion. Now, we, as a result of all this, the popular vote is ignored in our country. How can that be? Come on, Seth. I fundamentally don't understand how it can be, but they had to have known when they made it this crazy backwards electoral college that this was a possibility. Because otherwise, why not just do it the other way? Like that. Right. Uh, yeah. It would have been so much easier. So much easier. I just don't think they could have predicted how uh, divided... Uh, the you know uh, the, the country would be to the point that there is this like red American blue America now these elections are basically down to five states and uh, you know if you really look at the states it's probably down to you know uh, five you know yeah. different cities so it's 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 mind blowing when I vote in New York I feel like the, my vote doesn't count either. our vote it's when like, is the last time our votes counted in a in a presidential election I mean it's, it's it, it doesn't it's crazy. And by the way, I, you know, I, again, I grew up in New Hampshire where first primary, not this year for the Democrats, but, uh, it would still to this day, like, I mean, we were very proud of the fact of what well, we take it seriously. I think, you know, Iowans feel the same way. We actually go every time a, a politician speaks, we show up, we take it seriously, but it was very, it's, you know, it's deeply weird that, you know, uh, Iowa, New Hampshire and South Carolina has these massive says on, on who the nominee is going to be. And this new guy, the new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson. Yeah. We're, the joke is, it's a childish joke, but it's really my Johnson. Yes. Right? Yeah. That's what we're going for here because it's a, it's a slam dunk. Uh, well, the funny it, thing about him is it actually so worked in, in certainly his favor and to the Republicans as well because it all happened so fast. You know, he showed up, uh, you know, he took the back door in because they couldn't figure it out. And, uh, you know, I don't even think the press fully comprehended uh, the extent of his, uh, you know, 
conservative religious views. And so what you're going to find out about this guy is they dig through his old podcast archives and whatnot. It's, he's, it's crazy. He has some pretty insane takes on things. Yeah. It, you're pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have a field day with that. He's such, he's so, I, he's so, yeah, it'll be interesting. He does seem like the scariest version of that, which is, you know, unlike Jim Jordan, who is both crazy and looks and sounds crazy. I think Mike Johnson is crazy and knows how to pretend like he's not. He's like one of those, you know, Wow. it's like in a sci-fi movie where the aliens look just like the people. And the guys that, that's funny. Yeah. And, the, the, and the guy's got. He's third in line to the presidency. I know. Everybody always says that, but just remember, anytime it gets the third in line, no matter who it is, some real bad shit's gone down. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's never a time. Yeah, right. There's never a right. time where you're like, you know, the good news is third in line has got to have it under control. Like, it'll be, it would be so out of control if it got to the third in line. Israel too polarizing to do jokes about, right? It's too... We, you can't yeah, touch. I mean, I think that, it, you know, again, like where at some point you can... You can try to respond to the reaction to the tragedy, but you know we haven't talked much about Russia and and Ukraine for the Ukraine, same reason. Yeah. You know, it, I think yeah. it it both. You know, obviously, anytime it's it's Middle Eastern politics, it feels like a third rail. But in general, our show, we can talk about serious things, but it's very hard to talk about tragic things because there's no uh, there's no release. You know, I I don't think the way we do jokes actually makes you feel better about uh, about tragedy. You know, I was thinking about you. I don't know how you feel if I say this, but if you, you know, you're on at 1230 at night. Yeah. I don't think you should ever lobby to be on earlier. Oh, no, I don't, you, I don't want to be on. You don't, right? No. Like, I think back, being, for you, being on at 1230, you can do this fabulous thing, this closer look. You don't yeah. have to worry about, like, a lot of shit that goes on at 1130 at night. And then this this beautiful thing happens, and then it's on YouTube anyway, and I'm sure you get millions of views with that. It's very nice. And I, I also want to stress, I have a real appreciation for the extra burden there is on the 1130 guys. And, you know, uh, Fallon, we are a huge beneficiary of the work they put into that show. Uh, but I not I, I realize it's it's a lot harder, a lot more attention at 1130, and, and we get to do what we want a little bit if more. If you were on 1130, you couldn't maybe do a 14-minute closer look. You would certainly, for the first time, I think, get research on what people thought about it. You know, yeah. which we, I don't even think they bother to run the numbers now. Also, I notice you're cursing more on the show. They bleep yeah, it. They bleep it. I wish they wouldn't bleep it. I wish they I would wish bleep I, it. I wish they wouldn't bleep it on YouTube, but I think, uh, I think right. they had, because YouTube just puts up the NBC version that's already, it's already bleeped. But, uh, that would be nicer. You know, at 1230 at night, you actually can curse, but I guess they're worried about the sponsors and things like that. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I allow. I allow it. By the way, we should congratulate you. You ran James Corden out of the country, not only <laughs> off television. <laughs> you know, I, know I did mean? a show. I did a show his last week. I had, uh, I'd always said I wanted to do it and, uh, it was nice, you know, uh, to have, um, you know, we've, we'd obviously, uh, you know, run into each other a lot over the years and, and had a very nice relationship, but it was a trip to go and do that show in the last week of it. Um, you know the reality of what happened to James Corden, right? What's the reality of what happened to James Corden? I don't know. I'm asking you. Oh, what I, is the reality? Did he really quit or was he kind I, of I take him at his I take him at his word. You know, the thing about James is he is a, and, a, you know, anyone who's seen him, I mean, again, I think he's a great film and television actor as well, but on stage... He is a, a you know, force of nature. And I think when you have that, those talents as well, 
I, I take him at his word that he wanted to that he wanted to go home and 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 one I think you, you know there was a there was a level of homesickness both for him and his his family and also that he has this other thing that he wants to do. It's pretty amazing what he did coming over without that sort of institutional knowledge of what these late night shows are the way we grew up with them and yeah. uh and had that show because they did the, the things they did on that show were were very different and very popular in a way that hadn't happened before yeah no they almost were talking about him at one point taking over yeah uh i don't know one of the earlier shows the eleven thirty show yeah yeah it's pretty crazy answer this the segment you do surprise inspection oh great i'm so happy this to is, talk about it this is a segment that seth does on his TV show where he sa- he takes the writers to task. Uh, there are jokes that they tell that or submit that don't make it on air. And you will read them and yeah. then point out. You actually show a picture of the writer who wrote it. And I thought the joke, I'm going to bring up this joke. Okay, great. Uh, it's a joke about Usher, the performer. Yeah. It was announced last week that Usher will headline next year's Super Bowl halftime show. But who will help everyone find their seats? <laughs> And you were very critical. You rejected this. Look, you're even laughing now. I this think so. I like this joke. Okay. Why? Why was that bad? I think. Uh, all right. So this, I believe, Matt Goldich. I hope I'm not uh, naming the wrong writer. Here's why that joke's bad. Fucking everybody wrote it. <laughs> what do you mean? Like Did every, they, was oh, it was everywhere. Everybody. So no, but like to write it to think that you're the only writer that thought of it is uh right. is because again the. The jokes we don't use are the ones that, you know, because each of our, uh, so Alex Bay is our head writer and he's uh, America's greatest living joke writer. He goes through these. If a joke turns up in three different writers' packs, you can't use it because oh. if three, no, I'm just saying, but. But that's uh, sad. No, I'm going to just bear, I'm going to bear out why it's important not to use it. If it turns okay. up in three of our writers' packs, it likely turned up in three of Fallon's, three of Colbert's, <laughs> three of Kimmel's. Like they're, our writers are not, they're very talented, but, uh, you know, the minute a joke stopped looking unique, you, you, it's not like, oh, well, we, you know, we can use it. We'll still be the only shoe that, show that has it. The fear is it will turn up other places and you try as best as you can. Sometimes you can't avoid it, but you try to avoid those. Yeah, I know what you mean, but still, we, most of your writers, like these Harvard guys, a lot of no, the Harvard I don't think guys, we have no. a single Harvard writer at our show. I think I we know have I one. don't have one here. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, I think I take it back. We have one, but I, she was not, uh, Karen, she, I don't believe was Harvard Lampoon. And I think that is, uh, the expectation as they come. So we don't have any, uh, yeah, we don't have any Lampoon people. Really? Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what Letterman. it's like at the shows anymore. I do think there was like a giant, like the Letterman era, it was a pipeline. And, yeah. uh, and there were certainly a lot of wonderful, I, I want to stress as well, uh, Harvard Lampoon guys when I started at SNL. Here's a joke. Uh, today was Sting's 72nd birthday. Yeah. And while he started his party today, he probably won't finish till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I get that. That also, yeah. you realize, I feel like we were all talking about Sting and his tantric sex like 15 years ago. Right, right. So it that was, is outdated. A, yeah. It would, it would not resonate with a live audience today. Yeah, it actually took me time to go, oh, yeah, tantric sex. He yeah. takes a long time. And so why, and, and that time you're thinking about it, that's when I needed you to be laughing. <laughs> like, right. So while you're thinking about <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. that window is Egg- slowly closing. Ego has released a new maple syrup flavored milk, or as it's known in Canada, breast milk. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so no. there you go. There, I there think you go. that it one, 
And we also we have a writer who really thrives in surprise inspection named Mike Scollins, who now I should also stress <laughs> a lot of our right. writers are now kind of aiming to show up in surprise inspection. It is a because it makes sense. Yeah. They get their picture on. They get, their they picture get some on. recognition. Yeah, Somebody yeah, sometimes yeah. said, Dear you, I like I don't like how you're mean to your writers during surprise inspection. And I said, you know how much they fucking love it? Right. That they, I of read course. one of their jokes and show their picture and uh, and it's all in good fun. Well, because um, at least you show some of the writers. Most shows do not really like showing the writers, you know. Yeah, so, we uh, I, we love our writers. I mean, I love having our writers on camera. I like also just, you know, showing the process of writing, I think, is so interesting. And so Surprise Inspection, which was Alex Bayes' idea, and I think he enjoys it most because there is that fun element of public shaming. But I love to build this sort of in the way you know we were talking about you know uh the dc cinematic universe or the dc comic book universe i like that people watch our show and the longer they watch the show they're like oh wally's a cute car guy or oh you know buck is the cameraman that laughs too loud or scollins writes the the dirty jokes and and i like that the more people come back and watch our show they might say oh look at that i remember that from this before you tape every show, you go out and tell five jokes. It's yes. the same five jokes every single time. It is, but yes. Why do you do, is it really that much of a science? In other words, can you really tell what kind of audience you're going to have? And what's the difference anyway? You got to go out the there. The biggest point is just, there's no difference. You're going to do the show anyway. And I will say, I don't think if you're watching at home, you can actually sense uh, the difference in the audience. Because the right. sound design is so good that, you know... The, the way I'm hearing the laughs is not how they're heard on TV. So sometimes even, I remember early on in the show, our producer, Mike Shoemaker, said, you have to stop saying in the monologue that joke bombed because maybe people in the studio know, but people watching at home didn't know it bombed until you said it bombed. So I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. But yeah, I mostly I just like to, because I'm just in real time in my head, I'm feeling... I'll be saying, oh, this closer looks not going as well as I thought it would, or oh my God, it's banging tonight. And so what I like to do is just get a sense of the audience ahead of time so that I'm not surprised in the middle of a closer look how it's going. I see. So yeah. in other words, if you have an audience, when you tell these five jokes and yeah. they don't respond that well, you go, you know what, I'm not going to feel that bad when I see they're not yes. responding that well. I'm going to oh. know it's not the quality of the closer look. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be mad at myself or, or, or the process. And who chose the five jokes that you tell? You, you these are five like, jokes. So, that you tell. I mean, you know, and I, for the record, I got to come up with five more because I, it, they were just like jokes about what it was like being back in the studio after the pandemic. So it's not like it's more like a like a like a short stand-up act. But now that seems very dated, and I'm trying to come up with like a new five jokes. Wow. Yeah. Well. And, and and when I was watching that newlywed game you you did with your parents and stuff, oh yeah, was, was, was that your brother hosting the? Yeah, uh, that's my brother. I thought it was you. Because it's crazy. Are you twins? No, we're not. He's two years younger than me. And we started a podcast during the uh, pandemic called Family Trips with the Myers Brothers. And Kimmel came on. And mm -hmm. Kimmel called us out. He said, no one in their right mind would think it's a good idea to do a podcast where the two hosts uh, sound identically. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, that's what weird. it's eerie. I thought it was you hosting the segment and you taped it ahead of time. No, it was. And your brother's a performer, right? My brother's a performer. On, yeah, he, he was, was on Mad TV. He was Mad TV, that '70s show. Uh, he's an actor out in L.A. Yeah. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. You you like him or you you can't stand him? I love him. I love he's him. He's the best. He's the. He's How my great best is that? He's a great I person. Always, 
I always think it would be a disaster to have a brother. I need, I don't, I didn't get enough attention. <laughs> I can't imagine having, you know, my sister was cool about it, but I mean, a brother, we would have killed each other. I mean, it's w weird that we, you like him. We, we really like him. We have the same, we went to college together. We have the same group of friends today. We, and uh, it's been the best. Did he say to you when you were the head writer on Saturday Night Live, listen, I got to get an audition for Saturday Night Live. You got to make this happen. No, he had had his thing at Mad TV and it was healthier, I think, for right. him to have his own thing. I mean, I will say it's been, you know, we've been trying, like over the years, we've tried to write things together. And, and uh, this podcast is lovely because we each get to be our authentic selves as opposed to right. sitting in a room and trying to figure out a script, right? Like just actually talking. it. And also, you know, I, I don't know how you are with male friendship, but like forcing yourself to talk to somebody for an hour is when it's actual for work it's so yeah. good because otherwise you know we we reach an age where you don't talk to anybody anymore it is true like i'll like we just had this great conversation today yeah and i feel like i got something i got i yes. get, i don't have a lot of male friends and i don't you know and i'll i'll walk off of here today and i'll go I feel so close to Seth. This should continue. This should go on. I do. I and, always feel like I want to see you uh, socially. I, I, one day, I'd really like to figure it out. We're yeah, just me we, too. Yeah, I, th I well, think we. I think we'd really like it. I would. Would do you, you worry? You you wouldn't like it. I probably like it. <laughs> <laughs> I could. I could be. You could be sure of that. Uh, I, I'm anyway. noticing just because it's next to me. I want to ask you a question because I no. I've been looking at this the whole time. Um, book. You can yeah. see it. But here we do. I wonder if you always do this because I do this and I think we maybe feel the same way about our face. When I take pictures, I always like to have a hand in front of my face. Are you? Oh, the, is, that, I, is that a choice? I think, I think I am the most hideous looking human being on the planet. Yeah. And I've been in therapy 25 years and I still can't get rid of that feeling that maybe I'm okay to look at or something. I mean, I just have horrible feelings about myself. I just find that we both have uh, we're both up against uh, having very angular noses, and I sometimes think putting mm -hmm. another thing on the face is a good way to like not make it distract. Star. I'm like just yeah. like let's not like, you know let's try to have a second actor on stage. Well, you don't wear glasses. I wear the big glasses yeah. so that my nose will look smaller. I mean, yeah. you know, somehow it will hide all my flaws. It doesn't though. You know, I've got the I've got like a wall on my face. Got all that hair coming down. I got the glasses. I've it's almost very, completely... You've done a very good job because now you, uh, I know you can never get here, but now you only look like Howard Stern. I hope you know That's that. That's true. The rest of the yes. world, that no one is judging the way you look. They're so happy you look like Howard Stern every day. So just I know look that. like Howard Stern or or I look a little like Fran Lebowitz now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I uh, had a, the best moment with Fran Lebowitz. I sat I next to her. It's the best. And it was like I was you know that it I had a great moment with Don Rickles, the same thing. You ultimately want it to be they insult you somehow. And uh Fran Lebowitz, I just read a thing about how she just has walls of books in her apartment. And I said, What's one book you think? I should read. And in my head, I thought that's a great question to ask her. She's going to be so impressed. Absolutely. And she just goes, ugh, are we doing this? And it was just... <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. And it was just perfect. And then I told this so many times. Can I tell you my Rickles story? Because you're going to enjoy Go it. Go ahead. I'd love to hear it. It was at a, a Vanity Fair Oscars party. And he was sitting at a table, you know, a, a, a black tie. But he'd untied his bow tie. And he just looked... Uh, he looked very old. And he looked very tired. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go over and say, and this is, this is back when I'm on SNL. And so I take a knee uh, next to him. I go, Mr. Rickles, um, 
Um, my name is Seth Myers. I work on SNL. And he's like, oh, and he puts a hand on my shoulder. And again, I thought he was like out of it. I, I thought, like, look at this old, you know, he puts a hand on my shoulder. He's like, oh, I just want to say, I'm so, so I'm so sorry to hear what happened with uh, Saturday Night Live. I'm so sorry it got canceled. And I go, uh, oh, it didn't, it didn't get canceled. And he goes, a guy can dream. <laughs> he and was this right speed. up to the end. He was there. Yeah. yeah. I, I went to to dinner with a very old Don Rickles too. Same thing. He got up. He was eating. I thought the guy was going to die right at the table. That's yeah. how old he looked. And and then after he eats, he stands up and he starts to obliterate everybody at the table. And yeah. I never heard anything so fucking funny. Yeah, it's the best. Crazy. What a gift. It, what a gift. And and through it all, like there was that thing of you truly believed he loved everybody. And so if you believed a person was like big hearted and loved everybody, it is you actually can get away with a great many more things. Because See, it Fran Lebowitz too could be a great stand up comic, but I don't think she could like I saw yeah. her being interviewed and then she got into this sort of a chunk of material in a way. Yeah. About how Donald Trump isn't even trusted by real estate agents. They look down on him. She's can yeah. you imagine the the amount of moral squalor? Yeah. Someone who is looked at by <laughs> real estate agents. And like I went, oh my God, this woman's just, I think she's talking off the top of her head. She was on my show and she had a line I always quoted because it was so funny. I was asking her why, because every New York mayor thinks they're going to be president one day. Right. And I said, don't you think it's crazy that New York mayors think that people from outside the country come to New York and when they leave, they think, you know, whoever's in charge there? Should be in charge everywhere. <laughs> but I said to her, isn't it crazy that New York mayors think they're going to be president? She goes, forget New York mayors. How about this Mayor Pete? I got more people in my building than live in South Bend. And I was like, more people that live in your building is That's such a great, great slam on South wow. Bend. She's something. Has she ever hosted Saturday Night Live? Probably no, not. She's never hosted that. Yeah, I love that. That documentary she did with Marty Scorsese uh, it was, was great. Well, anyway, listen, uh, love seeing you. I got to tell you, Seth Myers. First of all, watch Late Night with Seth Myers weeknights at 12.35 a.m. on NBC. I think you will find his Closer Look segment to be the best stuff on television. It's fucking awesome. Uh, download the Family Trips with the Myers Brothers podcast. The there boys are uh, two brothers who like each other. Very rare. It's very sweet. It's a nice podcast to listen to with your family. It really is. That's right. Who would be, final question, who would be a better late night guest, Superman or Flash? <laughs> Superman is a bigger star, but everyone already knows his story. Very few <laughs> Go ahead, comment. <laughs> All right. I feel, I feel, you can't say no. If you can get Superman, you gotta take Superman. Superman, you, first of all, if you want to be someone, you want to be Superman because Superman has speed. All right, maybe not as quick as Flash, but almost yeah. as quick. And then every other power. If yeah, yeah, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. Well, listen, God bless you. Go it's, see you, the, the stand-up you're going to do with John Oliver. SethMyers.com for tickets. Yeah. What are you going to do New Year's Eve afterwards? You're going to party with Oliver, I guess. I, we're gonna, me, me and John Oliver are going to party. We're doing the Beacon, too. You should come check us out at the Beacon.
I should probably see that. What is he? Is he political when he, or is he just go? Uh, he's so different? smart. Like it's it's breathtaking. He's so funny, but he's also uh, so smart. The last time I saw him, he was just doing uh, brilliant material on uh, the British Empire. It's genuinely so funny, and no surprise if anyone watches uh, to, for anyone who watches the show, it's it's so informative and great. Do you care who goes on first or second? Is we flip it, and it's been lovely to flip it. It is. I will say, going when you go. When you sell tickets with you and another uh, name, it's such a more relaxing night because people feel very, they, they feel so excited. They're seeing two people and the burden feels a little lifted. And, and oh, so the show's nice. been really fun. Yeah. Well, listen, you've said it all. I feel you have. I think you covered it <laughs> okay, all. Good. Can uh, I say one last thing? Can I, I say one? Yes, okay. absolutely. Go ahead, Seth. I'm just going to say one more thing about The Flash, because I feel like you'd appreciate it. Good. I, I'll go on with you. I'll talk, I'll he's talk superheroes. I just think, yeah. no, I don't think he's misrepresented. He's a little, I love The Flash, and I think I love The Flash because I think it's my favorite outfit. Everything about it. You know what I mean? Okay, but right. He's a pretty boring superhero because there's, you know, the speed, when you fight a guy with speed, it's, you're always, the tornado move gets a little overused. Yeah. You know, where you run around and, you know, because at some point, or like, you know, Writing the Flash, I think, is a very hard job for superhero guys because it's a lot of like he runs real fast, he punches real fast, and I just think there's less. I am so disgusted with what they have, what DC has done with the Flash movies, with yeah. all of this time travel. Uh, because Flash can go so fast, he can spin around and make the world go in reverse, yeah. and he can go back in the past. And this fucking guy, Flash, <laughs> they tell him over and over again: one thing you shouldn't do. <laughs> Don't mess with the time continuum. Yeah, they tell everybody that, not just Flash. That's been out there right. for years. Everybody. <laughs> this guy gets he gets back there. What does he do? He saves his mother. Yeah, you know, sure. and, well, and yeah, the whole. Sure. And now he's not the Flash anymore. I, I can't fucking take it. I hate it. Yes, I hate but he's it. also not supposed to run into himself. And what does he oh, do? Yeah, of course, you run into <laughs> yourself. Yeah. One thing you shouldn't do, don't go meet yourself. By the way, I feel like that's the problem. Is These people are always telling you don't go back in time. They should just yeah. say don't go back in time. The minute they say, and if you go back, don't meet yourself, then people start thinking, oh, well, I can do that. <laughs> I know, I know, oh, I, okay, I know the so pitfalls. I, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, the pitfalls. Yeah, don't worry. I, never worked smart. out. Never worked out. But you know what? They yeah. never tell the stories about those people that time travel and, and, uh, and don't meet themselves. Yeah, no, Somebody should tell their hear, stories. You've <laughs> never heard that. You've never seen, you know, there's many stories of people who went back in time and didn't fuck with the time continuum and everything goes good. Same with Loki. Loki goes back. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. And I'm, I, I won't even watch the new, uh, Loki they just put up on, uh, yeah. on the, on the Disney channel because I don't want to see this fucking guy. He just doesn't <laughs> learn his lesson. I'm at it with Loki. Loki You're Loki. You're I'm out, out on Loki. Loki. I'm out. I'm not yeah. going to watch it. Because you just, the time travel, it. he was just too, uh, he was too capricious with the time travel for you. Too aggressive. Oh, it's yeah, aggressive. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Loki's a moron. <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> I don't. Boy, I used to love comic books so much because it was simple. It was simple back then. It was then. simple. I mean, this is us being a thousand years old. But you yeah. could you could <laughs> read 10, them. 000. Very little happened. Like, you almost never something happened in one issue that continued on to the next issue. Because <laughs> right. you just go to a gas station, you right. know, on a road trip, and you just buy like six. Oh. And, and it didn't matter. You didn't even need to know, you know, who they were. And it was you just, read one comic book. I didn't have to buy a series. I didn't have to buy a, yeah. a, 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 something that resembled a book. Yeah. I mean, it was just simple. It was life was simple back life then. Life was simple. Uh, and the Flash we, was we, a little yeah. bit faster than Superman. He, he absolutely was. It was documented. Yeah, it's absolutely true. <laughs> I'm really glad we got to this. 
It's very important. Remember very that important. sketch on Saturday Night Live when they had the superheroes and Hulk goes to the bathroom? And yeah. He, this was back in the Belushi days. Yes. And, and Hulk takes a shit. It's just fucking great. It was great so, there, but you know what? This is so embarrassing. You know what I didn't like about that sketch? What? I The first time I saw it, because it was Marvel and DC characters together. And so I was like that. I was that nerdy kid who couldn't process that, you know, the Flash and the Hulk would be at the same party. That never occurred to me. Yeah. That, it's, this was, is not something I'm proud of, but that was my that was my bounce on it. Did you love Mad Magazine or you're too young for that? I did. You know, I was a little young for it, but we would go. I remember going on a, a like a vacation where we rented a cabin somewhere and there were a bunch of old ones. And I loved then when it was like parodies of Star Wars and, you know, that oh, with, those the are the best. Yeah. Yeah, and then Natural Lampoon kind of became edgier, and then yeah. Saturday Night Live came along. And, and then once, it, once it was on TV, like, I don't need to read the magazines anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, you know what I saw on Broadway? The Mad Show. Really? Joanne Worley was like the only Oh, my original. gosh. Yeah, it was before laughing. Crazy. When I was a kid. Really nuts. Anyway. Hey, Robin, you were about to say something. Sorry, Robin. I was just saying, I was going to say that this was a, an amazing conversation hmm. to listen to. And I do feel that, yeah, you guys are like, you should be having a social relationship. Yeah, we're going to figure no. it out. It oh, you're not. You're mistake. out. Okay. This, you don't, you'd only <laughs> really? be disappointed. Do well, you, then you know let I, me I, just, let me just offer this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right, I'm right across the street. You know, I want you to know that if you ever want to do this with more regularity, I, I will try to live an interesting life to have more to talk to you about. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love when you come on. And, and, and you know what? I want to say this and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I get why Jennifer Lawrence wants you. Thank you. I'm a guy, but I could see. <laughs> I could see the two of you making love. I get it. Can I say I one it. other thing as well, which I don't know if we'll ever have a reason to do it. One of the best days of my life was being here on this couch with Fred and Bill. I don't know if you remember that as fondly. Oh, and yeah. we, like, we always talk about it because weirdly, even though the three of us worked together for a long time, like, we felt closer having just uh, been able to sit here with you because we never get to be somewhere where none of the burden is on us. Uh, you know, we just got to be here and you got to sort of uh, uh, be the conductor and man, oh man, what a day that was. I remember it specifically because when you guys said you wanted to come on together, you guys were out um, promoting a documentary now. Well done. So it's you, Impressed. Fred Armisen. Yeah. yeah. Fred Armisen and, uh, and Bill Hader and you. And I remember like Gary or somebody coming to me and say, the guys want to come on together. I go, well, I'm not going to say no, but I hate interviewing three people at a time because I don't know how you feel about this. It's very hard. It's horrible. Like, I love having a one on one discussion. I don't want to feel like, oh, I'm talking to Bill Hader too much. And then Seth's just sitting there or Fred is just sitting there. And it ended up being so fucking great because you guys didn't have that kind of ego. Like if Bill was telling a funny story, you were just sitting there laughing and giggling yes. at him. Same with Fred. And then Fred, and then you guys would bring up, hey, tell him about this, tell him about that. It ended up being so good, but very few threesomes like that yes. could work. You know it. It I, I know it a hundred percent. It was that really I also think so much happens at SNL that weirdly we sometimes forget stories that are about us. Yep. Uh, you know, and, you know, maybe Bill remembers the thing I said that he's ge then generous enough to tell when we're talking to you or, and vice versa. And so that it's really it was just a, it was so lovely and generous and, and also just so fucking funny. Those guys, so the two of them funny. together. 
Well, Hader, first of all, when I talk about that sketch he did when he's the Vietnam, well, he's yeah. the vet, veteran of the war. Best, yeah. Oh, my God. That puppet one. It's got like 13 billion views or it's, something. It's it is. so nice when the thing of actual quality has the most views on YouTube. It, oh it gives God, me faith I, in humanity. It's the greatest sketch where Bill's a puppeteer and yeah. his puppet is having, you know, Grenada? Is that the actual war he was in? You Grenada. think it's Vietnam. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't want to say Vietnam. I get it. It would have been too heavy, you know. Too many people would have been offended. Hey, what about Fred doing Uncle Fester? Yeah, perfect. And, uh, he was great it, in that. Great. Fred's great and. I mean, it's, it, it, you know. What's he doing now? He, you know, he comes back about, you know, once a month to do drums for us. And, and, uh, he's always got like six things going on. Fred is one of those people. He lives his life by that improv rule of yes and. I feel like Fred will always, is always down for anything. And he always brings this real integrity and craft to everything he does. And so you're never bored or disappointed to see him. It's yeah, but isn't he a different kind of like? Don't you love having a regular gig to go to? Oh, like I think Fred's okay with like. Yes, you know some people like know? where I realize I'm like, oh, I love playing a home game every night. Right, right, yeah, right. I kind of I think going out and doing stand up is almost like a effort to make sure I don't get too complacent with how nice it is to just have my right. the same dressing room every night. So you're going to bring your wife with you New Year's Eve or you just you're I, I don't I don't think she'll have any interest in that. I think that after yeah. I think like we might she and I might take a, 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 a trip without the kids right after New Year's, which she would enjoy more than than staying up and watching me do stand up. Where will you take her? Where do you go? It's wherever wherever she wants. She's from New Mexico. So we're going to be out there um, oh. and which will make it an easy flight uh, to Las Vegas. And then there's a yeah. lot of beautiful places out in the in the southwest yeah well all right listen all i'll right. let you out of here we've been talking for like 17 hours i'm so happy i'm so happy we got to um your feelings about time travel i think i hope that's the <laughs> we didn't even we didn't uh we didn't even get to uh uh your feelings about halloween which are which which are exactly in tune with mine i fucking hate halloween in every aspect yeah. of it and asshole adults who get dressed up in costumes go fuck themselves Crazy. i mean also uh, the uh the the Halloween industrial complex. My father in law was just saying, you know, when we were kids, Halloween that was the day. No matter where it fell, that's right. October thirty first, you went you trick or treat. If it was a Sunday, you'd go Sunday. <laughs> if it was a Monday, you went Monday. Now it's like a five day thing. This is day. Oh. I mean, we get a rest, but we were at a Halloween party on Sunday. Not even close to Halloween. Now tomorrow at school, <laughs> the kids need like three different costumes. If it's raining, you you're terrified because you're like, is it going to dry out? For you know, two days from now, when they need it at school, are it's your insane. kids jacked out of their minds on sugar? For oh, the, I like, mean, my, you know, my wife is very, um, she's so on sugar as a as an evil, and it's so evil. she does this. You know, she like buys the worst candy you've ever seen, and like switches it with them. They like trade it. They have no idea like what when they find out what a Kit Kat tastes like, they're gonna burn <laughs> our bedroom down. <laughs> they're gonna. They're, they're going to be like, wait, what, you know, these whatever, uh, you know, non-GMO Skittles we have that are just... <laughs> Sometimes I'll go into our pantry, you know, in the middle of the night just to try to get some sugar hit. Yeah. Like... Nothing. Uh, I've been telling a joke about how healthy our kids' food is, which is their cookie is what I used to have to eat to get a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that's a good one. Just it's so true. It's so yeah. odie. Like just yeah. a fucking horse food. 
my yeah. poor my poor wife loves candy. Okay. Oh, and for now her. she's been but but she her glue her uh, sugar level went through the you know. So now she's trying all these um like kind of healthy yeah. gluten free type candies and so and she 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 looks like she wants to kill someone. Yeah. They didn't she's, like they didn't put sugar in candy to try to kill us. They put it in cuz it fucking tasted great when we bought it. Like it also is killing us. But yeah. like they knew what they were doing. They're like no, this is the right amount of sugar for how good this is supposed to taste. So let's review you yep. got the TV show. Yep. We got to plug that. We should plug that you're going to be with John Oliver. And also you're doing a show in New Hampshire. Yep. A stand-up November show. November 4th. Jo- John Oliver arena. at Midnight. You, by the way, you should tell people you're going to kiss John Oliver at Midnight, right? On if stage. If you stick around, yeah. But the show's, at, I think, at 8. So you got to stay the whole four. We're going to stop. We'll be done by like 10. And then we just stand <laughs> yeah. on stage until midnight. So if you want What's to What's the proper around. amount of time on stage when you're working with John Oliver? In other words, you do an hour. He does an hour. I mean, that's No, enough, we do. Right? So what we've been doing is uh, 45 each. Good. And then a Q&A with the audience. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which is not, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, again, a Q&A. When we have our own material, we put a lot of thought into it. It's got a nice right. And it's very up and down, but it's so much fun. And I think for an audience, it's special because they realize they're seeing a version that isn't going to be, you know, gone. Not easy to yeah. do. Carol Burnett, uh, you know, she yeah. used to do it. but And uh, it's very fun because John is the one who's mean to the audience when they ask bad questions. He's the bad oh, cop. Oh, good. It's yeah, really good. fun. Yeah. Yeah, you stay the hero. Uh, and you're doing a residency with John Oliver here at the Beacon Theater in 2024. Yeah. That one, I got to go to. One Sunday a month for, uh, for, nice. for the, for the year. Matinee? You, we can do a matinee for you if you want to go. No, I think it's, uh, I think Saturday. I got to be in bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Come to our sound uh, check and then we'll get you out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen. All right. Uh, Seth Myers, uh, check out, of course, his show, uh, Late Night with Seth Myers, weeknights, 1235 a.m. on NBC. Download the Family Trips with Myers Brothers podcast. Do not forget about the Beacon Theater. Do not forget about New Hampshire. Do not, New Hampshire, really important you go to that so he looks good in front of his high school friends and, uh, parents. If you know what I mean, just go. Even if you don't care about the show, just go to make him look good. He's got a lot of his ego on the line Thank there. Thank you. And then uh, New Year's Eve in Vegas. Seth, great seeing you. Thank you, Howard. Thanks for giving Thank me so you, much time. I love it. It was such a pleasure. All right. Take care, Seth. Bye, guys. Seth Myers, everyone. Yeah, now what I'll do is I'm going to go upstairs, and then I eat my lunch, and I watch Seth Myers' uh, closer look. Love it. Love so it. you have your afternoon all planned. That's great. Oh, yeah. I know. You're yeah, going my wife. To be uh, with Seth again. My <laughs> wife left me alone for the day today, so like, uh, I'll be spending it with Seth oh, Myers. You're alone. Yeah, I'm not doing well with that. Oh dear. Yeah, I don't like it. Most guys are looking to get away from their wives. I'm like, hey, I just, I don't like to be alone. But you love that she'll come back with all her stories of what she did mm-hmm. while you were. That's true. Not there. Yeah, but I'm not good on my own. I'm telling you, there's a reason I'm at a shrink all the time. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not fun and games. Gee, I said to him last week, when am I going to be done with this therapy? I'm never I'm never going to be it cured. It doesn't seem that you're getting to a point where this could end. Yeah, and I have low self-esteem. You know, uh, my wife left me for the day. And now I'm sitting here hoping she comes back. She might have left the country. I don't know. I'll tell you. That's <laughs> funny. I'll tell you, Robin. I, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I watch Closer Look. I love it. He should just do a show, Closer Look. Well, you love the hour, right? It yeah, wasn't I lost loved it. on you. Nope.
No guess, nothing. Fuck it. I can talk to that guy for a long time because I, I would say to Seth, you know what? You don't even need guests. Forget guests. Cares. Well, you know, it's a little bit concerning that he doesn't know what's going to happen. He knows everything that is happening. He knows and what's going to happen. He can't extrapolate and tell us what's going to happen. Here's the problem. Our world is so crazy. Even if you know what's going to happen, you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what, what I mean? like, should happen. But you don't I know, know what what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what's going to I thought I was pretty smart. I don't know. I can't figure out my country, my fellow countrymen at all. I don't even know that I'm on the same planet with them. I, I, I think it's a no-brainer, but what's she going to do? You don't think there's a chance that Beth's away the whole day and she'll realize she's happier being away from me, do you? No. I think she loves you, and she misses you, too, when she goes away. But what do I know? (laughs) Yep, what do you know? Even (laughs) Seth Meyers doesn't know. (laughs) Crazy. This guy's been on the phone all morning. Let him ask his question. Go ahead, Chris, and then I got to hang up. And I got to go, but go ahead. Hey, Howard. uh, A couple of weeks ago, you were talking about um, dementia and Louis Bodies, Demi Moore's husband, suffering from it my dad had it and you were wondering how they die i got one comment and a quick question the comment is they forget how to swallow 85 percent of louis bodies they forget how to swallow so their organs shut down to death yeah it's crazy it's crazy but here's my question well here's my question to you when your dad had that at some point i know it's like illegal to uh you know like to to, to commit euthanasia but but can't the guy go to the hospital and they at least give him like so much morphine that he drops dead? You know what I mean? I mean, you don't want to not be able to swallow. I mean, at some point, do they do something the humane? Problem. Here's the problem with Louis Bodies, Howard, is that you never know when that day is going to come. They told us, mm. you know, eventually they, they told us three to five years when he was diagnosed, he was dead in two and a half. So, you know, Louis Bodies takes out your body and your brain at the same time, which uh. is better. It's better because, listen, people who lose their brain, they're alive for 20 years and other people are wiping their eyes. It it was better, actually. But I have a question for you, which is if you and I'm serious, if you were diagnosed with something like that, what would you do? Would you would you go to Oregon and end it immediately? Like what what would you do? Because we wondered the same thing. What to do? what, What to do with our dad? This is a dangerous topic because, you know, people listen and you don't you know, listen, I love. There's so many things in my life I love, my kids, my wife, my my friends, I, you know, my, my audience, quite frankly. Um, that's a real tough question. I, in an ideal situation, what I would like to do is hang on. I know like Robin Williams, he, he just hung himself when, uh, when the timing was right. And uh, I understand that. But I think I would hang on as long as I could have some quality of life and then hope that Someone would be able to, like, like you said, take me to Oregon and shoot me up with enough drugs so I can just pass peacefully so I don't have to go through the horror of self-suffocation. That's what yeah. I would hope for. That would be, my, my goal would be, and I do think that in this country, we got to get real, especially with people living longer now, about giving people a way out if things get that bad. It's got to be. Yeah. The problem with the dementias is that you never know when that day is going to come. He was good one day, and the next day he thought my mom was a intruder, 
And he, mm. he, you know, he did, he did exactly what they said they were going to do. So, you know, um, yeah. it's horrible. I don't know. I don't know, man. That would be a, just a real nightmare. I feel, I feel yeah, bad. The timing is not predictable. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry about your dad. That's just shitty. All right, Chris. Bobo come up with questions if good, Howard. I don't know, Chris. You, uh, maybe you, maybe I'll put you in charge of teaching Bobo talk about this shit. Be beautiful. Thanks, man. Chris. I got a bunch more. I got a bunch more questions for you, but yeah, man. I want right, to. Call in tomorrow. I got to go pee. All right. Bye, right, man. Peace. Bye. <laughs> I'm good for an hour or two. Then I got to go. Jeez, I'm up and down all night with the peeing. It's crazy. Uh, 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 the the solution that they gave you doesn't work. Is that what you're saying? Oh, you, you know, sit there and it doesn't go away. I lay in bed and go, hmm, maybe it'll go away. This desire to go pee, but I go and I got to pee. Peeing all the time. I'm up every couple hours. Fucking nuts. Anyway, hey, go read Robin's article in People magazine. I think you'll be inspired by it. Robin always says to me, I don't know why people say I'm inspirational. I go, trust me, it's inspirational. You don't need to know. I know. Well, thank you. No, it's the truth. All right. I love you, everybody. Tomorrow, we got a very big agenda on this show. Make sure you tune in. It's going to be huge. I got South Celebrity Psychic reading. I got to read you all the feedback. I got um, me calling a clown to book him for a party. (laughs) I got, uh, we're going to go hit JD up to clean out his computer. He's got a ton of shit he's been sitting on. Okay. And um, and uh, we got a beautiful package on the gathering of the uh, juggalos and uh, uh, and an update on all the juggalos. So uh, you know we got to get to everything. It's going to be very very heavy show. Yeah, hold on to your uh, seat, okay. And uh, that's it. Goodbye.